Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside me, we got Freddy. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever. Also known as Nighty Night. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So it's the lights. Sit back and let the darkness envelop you. If you like that and want extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's not the word. Okay. Kicking this off with a brand new month. And this month, you know, it's August, right? Yeah. We're recording this in July. But it's August it's when August. this is coming up. And I, it just had me thinking. It's hot out. Yeah. It is hot. But how fucked up, like, boarding schools are. Never been to one. Never been to one. But it just made me think about it. I was like, I was like, all right. The first thing that popped in my head when I was thinking about this month was like Zoe 101. You remember that show (laughs) on Nickelodeon? Yes. Yeah. So I was like, boarding schools are weird. They're pretty much college just for high schoolers. True. Strange. So I was like, why not make a fucked up boarding school horror movie month? There's a few of them out there, so why not? (laughs) So that's what we did. So this month is our boarding school month, also known as my parents sent me away. Wow. (laughs) I've been liking a lot of movies and a lot of tropes. It's like, oh, if you don't behave, we'll send you to boarding school. Or military so, school. Or military that's, school. That's like the American one, uh, Which right? is next month. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know any military uh, horror ones. Um, Chucky 2? That's the only one I could think of is Chucky 2. Yeah. yeah, or Child's Play 2. Oh, Child's Play. Yeah, 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 but that's the only one I could think of is Child's Play 2. Other than that... Yeah. I don't know. Let us know. Let us know like in, in, uh, on the comments or whatever. Uh if, Discord, Twitter, Discord, Twitter, Twitter all that stuff. Know. Just Hashtag let us know because I'm, I'm very curious. I know we have the power of Google, but it's more fun asking all of you. Uh, <laughs> but before we kick off this month, I need to give a quick announcement. First and foremost, we will not be covering any films from this year, the year 2023. And next year, 2024. What that means is that we will not be covering new films during that time frame. And the main reason why is due to the SAG and the WGA strikes. We want to make sure that we are being mindful of what their um, asks are for and what they're trying to get. We want to make sure that we are being mindful of that. And the best way for us to do that is to not promote some of the work that they have worked so hard on mainly because the studios are greedy as fuck. So with that being said, most of the films that we will be talking about are going to be pretty much films from 2022 and, uh, and in the past. So just brace yourself for that. I know we've kind of started this new tradition for December where um, we were going to cover like all of the new stuff that kind of came out this, this year. We're not going to do that this year um, unless an agreement is met um, sooner rather than later. And even then still might be a little iffy uh, just because we want to make sure we are still being mindful for any struck work that is uh, being presented for this uh, strike. So definitely want to be mindful of that. But with that being said, um, fucking go on everybody. Like keep on keeping on make that fucking picket strong. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. <laughs> keep that line going for sure. Now, another thing that I wanted to announce as well, 
A little birdie has told me that some people are missing us doing our old ad breaks in the middle. Right. They're fun. They're cool. They are. They are fun. They are cool. Yeah. I had a lot of fun doing them. The main reason why I stopped doing them was because of the fact that we actually were on ACAST and ACAST changed some different stuff. The reason why I'm also kind of considered doing them again is that we are off of ACAST now. <laughs> <laughs> We're on now on Megaphone by Spotify, um, and since we've switched on to different hosts, uh, it calls for us to actually be able to do that a little bit more instead of us just kind of putting an ad break while we're just talking. That sucks. We don't want to do that. Right. Also, fair warning, we do have the windows open. It's pretty warm here in the Bay Area, so we, uh, we're we just doing this so we can cool down a little bit. But if you hear stuff, it's just ghosts. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Or insects. Now, before we get into the film that we are officially covering, as Freddie beautifully hinted at, I gotta give a special shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash notlightpothesnight with a K. James, Kate, Kayla, Philip, Zachary, Nashia, Frank, Kristen, Lizzie, Josh, Vaughn, Alexis, Johnny, Layla, Eric, Kelly, Daniel, Cheyenne, David, also known as Knightley, Carrie, Stu, Anna, Drew, Patrick, oh, hello, Jessica, Jared, Chantal, Rio, Jesse, Joe, Kaylee, Rob, and last but certainly not least, Freddie. Thank you all so, so, so much for keeping the lights on, keeping the dream alive, and just honestly kicking it with us for this long. I appreciate y'all rocking with us so, so, so much. Thank you so much for doing that. Very much appreciate yeah. it. Huge shout out to you because you made last month very possible and oh fun. Oh my gosh, yes. And it was great. It was so much fun. Last month was a fucking blast. Yeah, was that right. was so much fun. Oh man. Yeah, we should definitely have more of those. But yes. we do at the end of every month. Whoa. <laughs> you can always vote for what film we're watching at the end of the month. So that will always still continue, except for next month. <laughs> we're not doing it for next month only because we got plans for next month so yeah don't worry about it freddy you'll read plans. the doc read the doc <laughs> but the film that we are going to be covering tonight everybody is none other than dario argento's phenomena first and foremost freddy thoughts ah so many thoughts this movie is wild that's my first thought uh this movie yep. is crazy seconds uh seconds thought um this is so much fun i love this movie this movie is so enjoyable um, I'm really happy I'm knocking off so many movies off Dario Argento's filmography uh, because the only one I've really seen is Suspiria mm -hmm. that came out a long time ago, but I just recently saw that maybe two years I ago. Um, and I saw it only two years ago. So that's oh, wow. When we did it for the podcast. Oh, all right. that's um, right. So every Dario Argento film that we've done on the podcast are the only Dario Argento films I've ever seen. Oh, shit. Which is cool because I love... Obviously, this type of style. Mm -hmm. um, it brings me back to my Italian roots. Um, <laughs> Italian! Yeah, so I'm talking <laughs> with my hands, but this is a podcast you cannot see. Um, but yeah, no, he has such an artistic mind. Yeah. Um, his set pieces are obviously always gorgeous. I love the colors that he uses. Uh, I love that how he presents scenes. He's really good at building tension. Uh, the kills are always brutal and very yeah. violent. Uh, but at the same time, kind of artistic in its own way, too. Uh, I know we just covered Deep Red last month. Mm -hmm. uh, and coming off that, seeing this movie, 
this one is, I feel, paced a little bit better, a little bit faster. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more things that happen. Uh, I love our main character, and it's really funny. The first, like, 30 minutes, I'm like, she kind of looks like Jennifer Connelly. Because <laughs> I love to go into movies blind and not knowing anything. Sure. And for me, I don't know why I always like, oh, yeah, Dario Argento. He probably has a lot of, like... Italian actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, not, like, mainstream actors. Sure. So that's the same time. I'm like, man, this actress really looks like Jennifer Connelly. And they call her Jennifer in the film. They do. And I'm like, oh, it's very interesting. And then I had to look it up, like, 30 minutes and I had to pause. I was like, hold on. Who is this person? Um, And it's her. I was like, Jennifer Coley. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, no way. I mean, in Suspiria, he did have an American actress. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jessica Harper? Yeah, I think Jessica Harper is her name. And of course, the score is pretty weird, pretty wild. Comes out of nowhere. That kind of like is in all of his films, too. Um, Yeah. The ending, the third act. Holy shit. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I've never seen something so surprising. Oh, very rarely films catch me off guard. This and they continue to get me caught off guard before like, oh, this is weird. This is a thing. This is a thing. (laughs) Sure, why not? Uh, I love the concept of like her, like I guess we could say superpowers. Yeah, Um, uh, they don't really explain where it kind of comes from or anything. Just her love Um, of bugs. (laughs) Yeah, you know what. Yeah, probably. But there's so many layers to this movie where I'm just like, there's a lot going on. But at the same time, it's not overwhelming. Yeah. Um, even like everything that has to do with that monkey was awesome as well. Uh, <laughs> until we talk about the fun facts, which will. Oh, well, yeah, we'll get not, there. Not that fun. Um, <laughs> Wasn't fun for, for Jennifer. <laughs> but it, it's crazy to look at a movie so. Something that we don't see often, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I really like about Dario Argento's work is that he brings something that's new and very his signature to things mm-hmm. and able to portray it in a very creative way. Uh, this movie is awesome. I think it's a lot of fun. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it a lot. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you're listening to the podcast, this is probably the perfect time to jump into this. Uh, I feel like Watch this is this a very movie. accessible movie for people who want to dive deep into like Giallo or Dario Argento's filmography as well. I feel like it's more on the action base type oh, yeah. of like horror, um, whereas maybe Suspiria or like Deep Red are a little bit more. Kind of takes its time. It takes its time and a little bit more slowly driven. Um, but yeah, no, this this is an awesome movie. Those are my thoughts. I very much agree. I like this movie a lot. This is one of my favorite Dario Argento flicks. It's fucking weird. It's yeah. uh <laughs> that's probably why I like it so much. It's a weird fucking movie. And I enjoy that. I, I think this movie, it, it. I think a lot of people enjoy this movie when they do watch it just because of how different it is. But, um, yeah, it's a weird fucking movie. I mean, you got you got a chimp. You got a shit ton of insects. You do. You got Donald Pleasance. Yeah. <laughs> you got good old Donald Pleasance in there. <laughs> Mr. Loomis himself, but or Dr. Loomis. But, yeah, I mean... This movie has everything I want when it when someone pitches something unique. This is exactly what I want. I want something that we're used to, something we're not used to, and blend those together. Yeah. That sounds great to me. I love that kind of stuff. I love when you take an idea of something very simple and plain, like a murder mystery, and then flip it over on upside its head, and then you give us 
a, a child who can talk to bugs. Very sci-fi-ish. Yeah. Who then is there to solve said murders. And to do this for a roommate, she's only known for two weeks. <laughs> if that. Like, they, right. they made it seem like she was only there for like a week. Yeah. And all this shit went down. But yeah. I mean, this movie has everything I want out of it. I mean, it has the creepy crawlies. You get a crazy, a lot of maggots. A lot of maggots. A lot of maggots. A lot of maggots. Um, but you get this this chimp that wields a scalpel and a blade. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Where, where else are you going to get that? And then you get the crazy hard rock music, obviously, that uh, Dario Shinto supposedly just, obviously, he loves tremendously. Like, that was right. his fucking genre. We had Motorhead in here. Hmm. And then we had, uh, who else was in this fucking movie? Uh, it was Motorhead. And I think it was Iron Maiden. I think it was our Iron Maiden song as well. But whatever the fucking case, dude, obviously. He sets the vibe. He sets the fucking vibe. Exactly. The tone is there. And I enjoy that tone. (laughs) It's never too gloom, too, which is great. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. Not at all, for sure. Um, But shout the fuck out to young Jennifer Connelly, right? Yeah, is it Connelly or is it Connolly? Connolly. Is it Connolly? Okay, because I feel like it's like it's two ends, so it's Connelly, but Connolly. Connolly. Okay, I don't know. I've never really seen an interview with her. Connolly. Connolly. Is she Italian? I don't know. Oh, Argento is. Argento is Italian. No, that is correct. (laughs) Argento. Uh, but anyway, Jennifer Connelly, Connolly, whatever. I've always called her Connelly. Jennifer. But Jennifer. Jennifer, who plays Jennifer? Jesus Christ. What a fantastic little actress. Like in, in I'm guessing she's like just a teenager in this movie. I don't know how old she is. I think she's about I'm sixteen. Sixteen, that's when she pretty filmed good for this, her. Like, yeah. yeah. No, obviously this shows her power of acting chops and yeah. that and, obviously got her far. So and obviously everything she's done after that has really proven her acting chops because right after this, or right before this, I think she was in uh, Labyrinth, right? Yeah. Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, I was really happy because I just recently rewatched The Rocketeer. I fucking love that movie. It's, great it's just movie. one I always revisit, like it's almost every movie. year. As you should. That's uh, a great movie. Yeah, it's so good. It's, yeah. it's the real Iron Man. Truly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and seeing her performance. In that no, scene, the real like, Iron so Man good. is Tetsuo, the Ooh. Iron Man. Oh, okay, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Watch that fucked up movie. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's cool to see all of the different films she's been involved in. Um, even Requiem from for a Dream. For a Dream. <laughs> yeah, which is completely different. Messed up. She's, in, she's in Snowpiercer as well, yeah. uh, which I don't know how good it is. I watched like the first three episodes and I thought it was fine. But yeah, I don't know. She was That's good right. at it. Yeah. Well, she was good at it. But so, anyway. Shout out to her. Shout out to Jennifer. Shout out to Jennifer. Anyway, let's go and jump straight up into this, man. Phenomena, directed by Dario Argento, released August 2nd of 1985 with a runtime of one hour and 55 minutes, which I found out via Twitter from one uh, and the only Meg Navarro uh, told me that Creepers was the American version, which mm. cut out about 30 minutes. How dare they? Of this movie. Which, also a cool name. Very cool name. Super yeah. fucking cool. Um, and Phenomena is this uh, Italian version that we all kind of have seen uh, floating around, but pretty cool. Anyway, uh, budget of 6 million euros, no box office found, with a rating of 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. Cool. We open to a bus pulling up on the side of the road. 
honking its horn for a group of people. They all pile into the bus as the wind bustles through through the highway. I love how they have to close their own door for the bus. <laughs> I thought that was really yeah, yeah. funny. <laughs> Once they're inside, the bus drives down the road. A, a girl runs down the highway trying her best to get the bus to stop, but it keeps mm. going. Title card. The girl stands in the cold looking both ways down the road before walking down the path toward a house on the hillside. It is oddly very windy in Switzerland. Yes, it is. Is it just always windy there? I guess. Guess so. I really want to go to Switzerland, though. I hear it's gorgeous. Oh, but there's our list. Oh, yeah, there you all go. Of the ones that played here. All right, so we 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 do have the Iron Lyman. Maiden, Motorhead, mm-hmm. of course, Goblin. It's not surprising. Andy, Sex Gang, and great Simon name. Boswell. That is a great name. <laughs> that is a great name. She cautiously walks up the stairs, calling out to anyone who might be inside. She doesn't notice the chained up person that's watching her from inside the room or inside the house. They are pulling on their restraints as the girl knocks on the door to the house. She goes inside the house, walking inside the kitchen, calling out to, to uh, calling out that she's a lost foreigner. I love this. It's like, hello, I'm a foreigner. <laughs> Seen uh, Deep Red last month and this movie this month, I was like, why do people just break into people's houses so easily? Like, that's not okay. I mean, the 70s and the 80s, man. Yeah, I guess so. It's like, hello. In fucking oh, Canada. You're not answering? Let me enter your house. Find <laughs> you so you can, like, talk to me. Supposedly in Canada, people still have their doors unlocked. Man, yeah. Like, either. that's just like a thing. That's not. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure, especially in Europe, I'm sure a lot of that also is the same thing, too, where. A lot of people probably are just like feeling super uber safe with everyone. So I don't know. But who do you think was chained up? Yeah, this one's interesting because we see something later on, obviously, in the third act with the right. same type of kind of restraints. Uh, I honestly don't even understand what this has to do <clears throat> with like the story itself <clears throat> because they don't really bring it up ever again. And she like goes to this place and then she leaves. And I'm like, oh, now you go to a different place. Yeah. Which is not even that, whatever. So I don't know if this is maybe. Well, they go to this house again later. Yeah, but nothing comes but out yeah, of it. But yeah, nothing comes out of it. No. Yeah, she's like, they it's like her out. They're like, get yeah. out of here, whatever. It's like the first. Like I guess place for her to, to or for where the bodies were probably stored, right? And then she had this other place that they were also stored. But yeah. So as for the person who's chained up, it could. I think it's the sun. It could be the sun, but also the sun is also very small and doesn't look like this person could like yeah rip the chains off the wall like they do in this scene. True. Um, I feel like it is a victim who's trying to get help and just scares her away. And then the true killer, aka yeah, who sees her see, running and then meets her demise. Yeah. Mm. I think, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds legit to me. She hears the sounds of the change getting ripped out of the wall, slightly startled by this, but she, ke- she keeps on calling out knowing that someone is there pleading for them to assist her. The house becomes eerily still as she looks around a stranger's home. She turns around. A chain is wrapped around her neck, causing her to scream. So you think this chain being wrapped around her neck was them trying to be like, no way. Yeah, like, come here. Yeah. But oh. then she gets stabbed. By someone that's wearing a glove. Right. Who was probably not chained up. Right. So it's interesting. Would have been nice to have a little bit of blood 
pop out of that hand, but that's okay. Right, yeah. Through the struggle, she kicks over some chrome shears. She's, uh, she gets out of the chain, running to the door, but it's locked. She bangs on it, but the killer takes the scissors and stabs her hand on the door. She yanks it out, she yanks it out of her hand and manages to get the door open to make a run for it. She runs to a waterfall, the killer close behind, chasing her through the rocky tunnels with the pair of scissors, stabbing her in the gut with so much force, it grants us another iconic Argento glass crash. The waters violently shoot down the mountain. The girl's head joins the rushing waters as her body is just dragged away. Fuck yeah. Let's go. Dario Argento, fucking do your Great shit, opening. man. Do your yeah. shit. Yes. Look at how long that glass break is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it's like a like a 10 to 15 second glass break scene. It's great. In the night the tr- the trees dance as the wind moves through the branches. Inga the chimp comes walking up to a, to a house with a scalpel. Oh my god. Hearing a group of men speaking from a window, she goes over to check it out. Professor John McGregor is speaking with Inspector Rudolph Greiger and his assistant Kurt. They are discussing how an expert on insects could bring value to a homicide investigation. John comments that he normally doesn't doesn't he, excuse me. John comments that he normally doesn't, but he became an expert on a certain type of bug, which we find out later is the maggots. common fly in maggots. Yeah. Yeah. Which he has a very interesting name for it. I, what does he call them? The, something sarcophagus. The great sarcophagus. Oh, yeah. The great sarcophagus. Yeah. I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> Rudolph scoffs that they aren't going uh, going there again, but John claims that they are, just like the, they did the first time he came there years ago. While they continue their conversation, the camera pans through John's insects tanks. He continues going over their first case they went over, educating Kurt that when a body decomposes, it is eaten up by insects. Inga Inga barks as she comes into the room um, sitting on the stool. John takes the scalpel away, telling her that she could cut herself, wanting to know where she even found it. She points toward the window as as she hoos. He understands that it it was outside, wanting to know who put it out there. Inga points at herself. He instructs (laughs) her that he doesn't want her uh, to play with it again before turning on his laser. She grabs a bottle of alcohol that he points the laser at and he introduces her to the other two men as she comes back and hand him the booze. I personally would have been fucking terrified to be on scene with this chimp. Well, yeah. There's a lot of reasons why, obviously. We yes. Can't, we can't control, Kick control animals. animals. You yeah. can't. Um, I do love you this scene for exposition um, because one of the big things is like He's kind of teaching her how to use the scalpel. It's like, hey, this is what it's used for. It's for cutting. Right. And this chimp is very smart and very intelligent where she uses she the same that. motion yeah. when she needs she to cut up a motherfucker. Like, oh, I know how this tool works now. I know it's meant for cutting and destroying things. It's definitely, you have to be careful. It's a dangerous object. Right. It's like, cool. I'll remember that. Dangerous object. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Me, monkey, happy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, chimpanzee. Chimpanzee. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to go again. <laughs> Chimp loves knife. <laughs> um, this is, I love this monkey. This monkey is cool. As oh, that. dude, it's fucking but great. One time, of my favorite characters in this the movie. The first thing that popped in my mind was like, nope. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is exactly what Jordan Peele's talking about. This is exactly what Jordan Peele's talking about. You can't Peele's control this spectacle or this awesome thing. Uh, we know when, like, yeah, things can go wrong. Using real animals in films is already hard enough. Right. Right? Like, it's very hard to use real animals in films. 
Um, I mean, that's why we get a fake fucking bear getting the shit kicked out of and pray. And we, right. you know, but we have and a real a bear dog kicking the shit out of Leonardo DiCaprio. That too, yeah. right? So, so yeah. like we we have we we have obviously reasons behind all of that because one, it's really hard. Two, it's probably extremely expensive. Um, but with and it's dangerous. But <laughs> the probably the most important reason. But uh, you know, we do have real dogs typically um, right. and things like that. Like we've all seen Airbud. Um, but <laughs> Dude, I wonder how he's doing. Airbud, uh, yeah, that dog is definitely player? dead. No. Stop, stop. Dude. How old is that movie? Think You're going to make me sad for some reason. Think about I when that remember. movie came out, stop. man. Okay, well, continue. <laughs> continue. No, no, I need the I tangent now. That wow. movie came out in 1997. There's no fucking way that dog is still alive. I'm sorry, man. That was almost 30 years ago. I watch everybody again. <laughs> it's no fucking uh, way. What does the Sandlot say? Like heroes live forever, legends never die. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, he's yeah. forever a legend. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> continue, continue. <laughs> this monkey's still alive too. Fuck it. I don't care. Yeah, definitely they, not. No, animals are amazing. They'll uh, last forever. Animals are great. Hopefully, I mean that's why they just get placed in other animals, right? He goes back to the uh, to the report, explaining that there are eight groups of insects that eat cadavers, calling them the eight uh, squadrons of death. He only fucking names one. <laughs> First, the common fly laying its eggs inside the rotten corpse. Then the cycle begins. Each group staying fifteen days, doing some basic math of fifteen by eight equals four months. He takes the tarp off the box of the t- on the table, thinking in the case of his of the girl's head. What? You just fucking have this one. <laughs> it's such a weird reveal. Bro, but this it, was, it, it was good. I was like, damn, that looks disgusting and creepy and gooey and I don't like it. It was gross. It yeah. reminded me of Hereditary. Yeah. And that reveal the where of, they the reveal like after the exactly. day's done. Yeah, yeah. Reminds me of Hereditary. Gross. But obviously this also reminds me of um a lot of Lucio Fulci's type of work. Because Lucio Fulci does a lot of like Things like this, where he delves into fleshy, like flesh cool, eating yeah, stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Um, we got to get you on Fulci next. We will. We'll, we'll get you a Fulci film next. Uh, yes, you need to see Zombie at least fucking once. Zombie's glorious. Okay, <laughs> at least once. I'm in. Um, her, her decomposing head is stuck on the table as maggots and other bugs spill from her mouth. He mentions that the cycle has not just completed, but it has been repeated. Kurt points out that uh, that that's about eight months now, thinking that they'll be able to pinpoint the exact date of death by calculating the presence and growth of the flies and maggots. John points out excuse me, that it uh, could also be a murderer since they were decapitated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's fair. That makes that's sense. a fair assessment. Yeah. Rudolph chimes in that it was some eight months ago, John adding an additional 15 days, reminding him that her head was emerged from a lake where it, where it floated to, to, to shore and that the flies found her. Rudolph comments around eight and a half months then, John thinking it could also be less time. Rudolph theorizes that she lost her head between September 7th and 10th, bringing out the paper to see that the first girl disappeared September 9th. A 14-year-old tourist named Vera Brandt, and her body was never found. John calls out, um, calls out just like, quote, poor Greta, end quote. And she's on that list too. <laughs> All right. Obviously, this guy's bad luck. 
What? <laughs> he becomes somber as he covers up the head. Rudolph agrees that she's missing, but they don't know if, he, if she's dead. But John knows that she's dead, and there's a vicious girl killer um, on the loose. Rudolph sternly says that they'll get him while tapping on Kurt from them for them to leave. They don't get him. <laughs> what the fuck? I love how slow they walk out. Yeah. Like you could tell it's definitely a set. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got to a teen girl named Jennifer who is in the car with Fra. I think is how you pronounce her name. Fra or Frey or Fro or Fru. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, we'll say Fra. Um, who? It's it's like F R A U. Fra, Fro, 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 like Frodo, Fro, Fro. I don't know. Fru, Fru. Um, man, y'all remember Fru, Fru? I know y'all remember Fru, Fru Garden State. Yeah, I know y'all remember that. Yeah, Princess Dancing. Yeah, I am dancing. That song was the fucking jam. That is definitely going to be played when I leave there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she works at the boarding school asking if she knows this part of the country. It's Jennifer's first time in Europe. Uh, Fru, uh, we'll call her Fru, uh, mentions that it is a strange part of the country, sharing that people people call it the Swiss Transylvania. Not sure why. She then uh, wants to talk to her about her father, about to compliment him while using the word terribly. Um, Jennifer cuts her off after the word to agree with it. Um, Fru ignores the remark, telling her that she admires him and hoped that he, he was coming with her. Jennifer answers that he's in the Philippines and he'll be there for for a year. Damn, to shoot a movie? Yeah. God damn, this movie better be amazing. Well, a whole cluster. fucking year? It's a long time. It's a very long time. It's a long time for a movie. That's all I'm saying. What are you shooting, five? Yeah. It's like, some movies take 14 days. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck are you doing for a year? Not, e- not even able to uh, be reached by telephone. What a father. Fru comments that, that she's in good hands. Jennifer is b- barely listening as a bee flies on her hand. She admires the insect as Fru is trying to talk about her, their curriculum. She looks over, spotting the bee, getting startled, swiping at it as it buzzes around. Jennifer tells her to leave it alone. The driver swipes at it while also swerving the car. This dude almost totally crashed. <laughs> she yells for him to not kill it while capturing it. Fru uh, shouts, shouts for her not to touch it as Jennifer tells her to stop yelling. She shouts that it is a bee but Jennifer is very much aware of that, knowing that it won't hurt her. And insects never hurt her because she loves them. Aww. Relationship goals. What are you, a crap brother? It's so weird. It's funny because I don't know why I'm so interested. Yeah. There's like a lot of like real insects in this movie. And I'm like, how'd you make it do what you wanted it to do? Or did you rewrite the script to make it fit? I don't know. Like there's a lot of moments where I'm like, Okay, the monkey, I get it. It's intelligent. It can do its scenes, whatever. The whatever. Yeah, these <laughs> insects. I'm like, how are you following the script? Did you read the script? Are you following the cute? I'm just kidding. I was like, but I was like kind of interested. I'm like, I wonder how they filmed that. That's kind of cool. I'm there's sure. I'm sure. Just like, even like the fly in the box, which we'll talk right. about. I'm like, how? I'm sure there's how? some type of pheromone that they were yeah, able that's to, probably how, yeah, yeah you, like that they're able it. to put yep, on, because yep, yep. that's what they did in, in um, 
candy. They put candy. something on her hand where it just yeah. Never mind. Yeah, they okay. did. The, they did that on candy man as well. I, I'm yeah. like, this a miracle? Like it's just like some cool magic trick? And you're like, no pheromones. I'm like, oh yeah, you you are damn right. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I'm just yep. sure it was just something to allow it to stay there and be calm. <laughs> That's probably exactly right. <laughs> the bee crawls on her wrist as she pets it with her finger. They make it to the uh, Richard Wagner International School for Girls. I always found it interesting that a girl's school is like made from a guy. Wow, that's just that's true. Yeah. yeah, that's always been a little interesting to me. They get out of the car, uh, uh, fruit demanding the driver to take the bags. Jennifer looks up at the window where the headmistress is peeking out. Fruit comments about um, how stunning the building is before explaining that, that the school only occupies the main building and the others are closed because they aren't safe, instructing her to never go to them. Entering the build, entering the building, telling her to follow her. She looks up at the headmistress before jogging inside. Inside her new room, she unpacks her bag, telling her smoking roommate, who's like fucking twelve, Sophie, <laughs> that she's starving and if there's anything to eat, there isn't any food. Jennifer explains that she's only had breakfast for the past two days due to the time difference. Looking over at the at baby food, uh, wanting to know what it is, Sophie explains what it is and that her parents left it. Why? Uh, when they came to visit, <laughs> why? So many what? Maybe she has a younger. Well, she does have a younger somebody? brother, and maybe that's what she meant is that they left it like they forgot. Yeah, it. they forgot the food for yeah. the baby. Yeah. So I assume that's what it is. And she's all like, "Oh, cool! I'll have some." <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Oh, veggie flavor! I'll eat that one." Yo, she is straight up hot box in this room, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how did you expect to hide that? You can't. You can't. The, the smell of cigarettes alone. Oh my god! Overpowering. How did you expect to hide that? Anyway, Jennifer goes through the different uh, kinds that she has, picking up the mixed veggies flavor. She finds that to be great since she's a vegetarian, asking her if she has a spoon. Sophie shakes her head um, that she doesn't. Jennifer remembers that she has uh, remembers that she has her toothbrush in the bag. She opens up the jar, taking a bite of it from the other end of the toothbrush. You know what? Ten out of ten for innovation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> this is <laughs> I love this though. Sophie's uh, wondering how it is. Jennifer answers that it's like cat food. Mm, great. Mm. And she continues to get more. Yeah, Why? she's hungry. She's like, I yeah. love cat food. She's just like, it's kind of like cat food. It like <laughs> goes for another bite. Mm. It almost feels like she's not even being sarcastic, but yeah. Jennifer answers that it is like cat food. Sophie introduces herself that she's French. She uh, she wonders if, if <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's like you know, it's I've, like cat food. I'm French. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> What? She wonders if Jennifer has met the headmistress yet. Then the headmistress just bombards the room. <laughs> Sophie immediately puts out her cigarette. She calls out to Jennifer that she wasn't. She was expecting this after, afternoon. Jennifer answers that her plane was late due to bad weather while offering her some baby food. Smartass. The headmistress <laughs> takes her poster, commenting that the school has rules and she'll have to uh, confiscate it. Jennifer tells her to wait and that she doesn't know who that is. Sophie hops out out of bed, blurting out that it's Paul Carvino, Jennifer's father. But she doesn't know that yet. Yeah. Uh, the headmistress cuts her off um, uh, on that being enough, demanding her to get back in bed, threatening her if she catches her smoking again, turning her attention back to Jennifer, demanding her to go go back to bed for them to turn out their lights. Lights are off and uh, Sophie sparks up again, calling the headmistress a bitch for stealing Paul Carvino. Jennifer chuckles that it is all right 
night and she has a bunch in her bag. And tomorrow she, she will put them up all over the room. Uh, Sophie smiles that she's seen all his movies. And he's like, I've seen all his movies. We're watching his last three times. His last one three times. <laughs> Jennifer calls her lucky and that um, that he had her, he made her sit through it at least 15 times, claiming that she said he trusts her opinion. Sophie is shocked that she knows him. Jennifer smiles that of course she does. Sophie wonders if she slept with him. She's like, first of all, I'm 14. (laughs) Secondly, no, he's my dad. She (laughs) apologizes before blurting out all of the facts about Jennifer's father and and mother. I would have been so grossed out by that. Like more grossed out by the sleeping with my dad. That is like, obviously they know who, or she knows who this person is. Famous person. Yeah. Probably knows it's an older man too. Like way like gap. Like yeah. age gap as well. And it's like, I mean, insane. I don't know. That's weird. Obviously, Sophie would. So I wanted oh, to see okay, him. Fair. I wanted to fucking see this guy. Huh. The infamous Paul Carvino, who doesn't even fucking exist. Like, I wanted to see him so badly. He's um, the red herring. He's the killer. Uh, that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. Um, but. Yeah, Jennifer definitely you you could tell she was she was built to be a star though. Like yeah. just her mannerisms, the comfort, the character the character ex- kind of, well kind of, no, kind of the character her, development yeah. and things like that that she positions for Jennifer. Um just spot on. Like yeah, yeah her you, mannerisms, her facial everything. Right. It's just like it's on point. You know who this reminds me this of? Stardom right here. The um a current actress um that we all probably know and love, Jenna Ortega. Jennifer yeah. Ortega has the same exact spark to her that Jennifer Con- um, Connolly has. Um, I agree, but it, it's just it's it's interesting. It's but her presence is just perfect on scene presence to me. Just she she knows what she's fucking doing, and obviously once we read the facts, she was fucking dedicated to this role. <laughs> yes, <laughs> knowing that her parents got a divorce, but her mother re- remarried and now owns a hotel in India, Jennifer shares what happened on that Christmas day. The phone rang, and her mother answered it, telling the person on the other line that she would be right there, understanding that it was her lover. Her mom left and never came back. Her tone switches to being a little more chipper, remembering that her dad got twelve presents that year, and that the thirteenth was her mom walking out on him like that, knowing that Sophie didn't read that in a review. She uh, comments that she's really glad that she's there because she has always had to sleep alone, thanking her for coming. Jennifer thinks that she should be the one thanking her, owing her a meal. Not really. Sophie spills the beans about a maniac killer on the loose who's, uh, who is kidnapping and killing girls around their age and hiding, the, hiding their bodies. What? Let me tell you a story about my family and the trauma I live in. Oh, by, by the, the way, way yeah, <laughs> there's a killer out here killing people just like us. Oh, my God. Jennifer wants to change the subject, excusing that she's really tired and she needs her sleep. Sophie agrees, not wanting to think about it, offering to know what Jennifer thinks about um, when she tries to fall asleep. She answers that she thinks about her father. Sophie jokes that um, that if she thought about Jennifer's father, she would never get, get any sleep. Crossing her arms, she um, asks if... Um, if she minds if she watches TV, adding that she has earphones. Were earphones invented then? I guess so, right? I guess. Well, it was like receivers. Like they had it connected to the TV. Right. Well, I know headphones like were, but like earphones, like actual earbuds. No. I don't think so. And she didn't have them on. No. She had headphones on. 
Yeah. And I was just like, wait, what? But I guess they called them earphones then. I don't know. Um, obviously, um, we're not in the 80s. But um, pause it. Yeah. Anyway, Jennifer doesn't mind and allows her to do so. Cut to the girl sleeping. Sophie has her headphones on while Jennifer is having a bad dream. Her heart is pounding as she moves around and groans in her sleep. Quick cut to a girl, Gisela, I believe is how you pronounce her name, um, running outside the window landscape while screaming. She makes it to a... To the, to a building and decides to enter inside, closing the door and causing the beams to fall, startling her to continue further inside. She looks around the room as an as Iron Fucking Maiden is playing loud as hell in my headphones, finding a <laughs> candle and, and lighting it to uh, see if see as she explores the abandoned building. A, fl- a flashlight is pointed at her. She screams and drops the candle on the ground to make a run for it. She runs down the hall as the killer builds a chromatic weapon. This was fucking cool. Right. This weapon is wild. It's like a spear. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so cool. Is she just running down the hall? I thought hallway? he was gonna throw it. I thought so too. I was like, she's running, but it's such an interesting uh choice in lighting as well. Oh yeah. Um a lot when of she's blues. outside, it's basically floodlights outside. It's like everything's oh, yeah. super brain like in focus and everything like that. And I love that they kind of do that same effect where, like, it's a dim light. She lights a candle, and it, like, brightens the entire room. So cool. Or, like, the candle wouldn't really do that. But at the same time, it gives you focus of what's happening. Right. Um, yeah, it's really creative directing, which is cool. I agree. Back inside Jennifer and Sophie's room, Jennifer is still having a hard time in bed as um, Giselle's screams are echoed. She tosses and turns and groans before calming down. She opens up her eyes, rising from her bed and sitting up, her mind running through a white hallway surrounded by doors. In a trance, she grabs her her coat and walks into the hallway and up a flight of stairs, able to see a location that is on the roof. She heads up there, nonchalantly walking across the roof, unfazed by the cracking roof as she walks barefoot. She stops at a room turning to look through the window Giselle bursts through the door screaming with her face covered in blood she's stabbed in the back crashing through the window she continues screaming right in front of Jennifer her screams are silent are silenced when she's stabbed in the back of the head the staff going directly through her mouth Jesus H Christ <laughs> Jennifer is freaked out god damn even as a doll, like that looks fucking crazy. The yeah, teeth. they did a really great job of this. Yeah, it's uh, the fucking teeth that that, that gets everything. Like it's like bent forward <clears throat> and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. The spear. Oh man, it looks very realistic. Yeah, it's pretty good. He definitely got uh, better with his blood techniques, like from Deep Red, because right. Deep Red you could tell was like paint. And right. and and this, you could tell that it's more Realistic, actual substance. More realism. Yeah. yeah, like it's 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 it's, it's probably more um, what it's called uh, high fructose mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like so, it's like corn syrup and all that stuff with dyes. But uh, Jennifer is freaked out, not phased as she moves backwards, um, stepping on glass. She continues walking. The roof crumbles. She walks through the hole. Her robe uh, getting caught. She sort of comes to her robe rips and she falls down inside some branches. Confused or on where she is, she walks out in the middle of a busy road. Mo- motorists forced to quickly drive around her. One in particular clips her as she looks up at the buildings trying to get her bearings. Two boys run out of the car checking on her asking 
if she's okay in German, alternating to English, checking to see if he's if she's hurt. They help her up. They are driving her car. The one in the the one in the passenger seems to be touching her, which which I think he's trying to calm her down. Right. Like he's, he's trying, trying to like, to, like put her like her legs down. Yeah, yeah. Like it it just it just seems weird more than anything. But he's trying to like keep her from like being frantic. I guess. Uh, she murmurs that she needs to wake up, opening the door while the uh, vehicle is moving. The driver pulls her back inside, but but she opens the door again and jumps out, rolling down the hill. They check they check to see if she's if they can see her, but they can't and get the fuck out of there, thinking that she's most likely dead by now. Jennifer sits in the fetal position, looking uh, looking around for a moment. She then spots some ladybugs on a leaf. They scurry toward her as on on the leaf. She is startled by In- Inga. But then smiles when she sees her. Inga extends her hand out, accompanying her to um, to John's. Uh, the ladybugs watch as she makes her way through the woods. Jennifer makes uh, makes it into John's office. He's checking her pupils, wondering um, wondering if this is her first time go- ever going sleepwalking. She tells him no, and that it has happened before in in the states. He comments on her appearance, asking her um, if she has any idea where she was. She doesn't, explaining that she never remembers anything. Inga comes over to them. Jennifer calling the chimp her savior while petting her on the back. Mm. I guess we could just say, fuck it, let's talk about this fact right now. Supposedly, yeah. allegedly, I you know, we we get most of our, our fun facts from IMDb. IMDb can be a little bullshit sometimes with these fun facts. <laughs> but one of the fun facts on here, which wasn't a fun fact for Jennifer, this fucking chimp bit her twice while filming this. And it bit her fucking finger off. And she was rushed to the hospital. It's not funny. But it was, it was like, yeah. god damn, dude. Holy shit. Don't mess with nature. And and this poor girl was forced, forced to be put in these seats. The reason why it was bit, it bit her hand. And supposedly, like, through the rest of the filming, it was, like, completely agitated by Jennifer Connelly's presence. But... This re- the reason why it bit her to begin with, Dario Shinto told her, hey, can you hold the monkey? Because the monkey kept turning around. Can you hold the monkey like on the shoulder? Did not like that. Bit the fuck out of her. Yeah. She Leave didn't quit. Be. She didn't quit. She stayed. Good for her. Yeah. Also, damn. Damn, indeed. That sucks. Damn. I mean, different time back then, I'm sure. Especially for child actors, but I know, yeah, for someone who's so young and stuff and put in dangerous situations. Mm. Um, yeah, it's rough. Yeah, check your protocols, y'all. Check your fucking protocols. He asks about her uh, being American. She confirms, um, sharing that she is studying at the academy, wanting to know where where he's from. He's from Scotland, and he came there as a student, but stayed there to teach. But then he had an accident. She goes back to wondering about his his teaching, so he doesn't um, have to explain the touchy subject. He answers um, entomology, studying insects. She's stoked on the idea, sharing her love for insects. He is surprised at that, reminding him of another. The girl uh, Greta, um, who I think he named Greta, 
is how he pronounces it, who used to come there doing secretary work. But then one day she didn't come. Jennifer believes that, that the killer got her. He wants to know what what she knows about that. She explains that uh, she was speaking about her in the past tense, as or she explains that he was speaking about her in the past tense as if she was dead. John shares that Greta left a coat there, warning her to take it. He points his laser pointer um, to have Inga take her to where the, where the coat is. They go up to the platform that assists John up the stairs. He left. Um, he's left downstairs hearing her giggling with the chimp this is when the chimp fucking attacked her (laughs) (laughs) who knows don't laugh at me bitch John John is inspecting a beetle hoping that it doesn't quote unquote play any tricks it played tricks the beetle squirts on his eyeglasses Jennifer comes back with the large jacket um, saying quote unquote bullseye she helps him clean his glasses as he mentions that they never miss even though they are supposed that they are supposed to be practically blind she puts his glasses back on his face for him. He thanks her, telling her that to be careful, and she's in range. But she knows that the insect won't do anything to her, as she allows it to crawl on her hand. He comments that she uh, looks like Greta in that coat, and that she liked the insects too. I like how he was like, oh, Greta has a coat here, and it. and it'll fit you. Like, it's like, damn. This is the biggest coat in the fucking world. You sure it's not your coat? <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's true. I was always like I was so drawn to like what's on the coat. Yeah, like the it's like had like jewels or something like that. Yeah. I was like, huh, it's a very interesting coat. But like you said, it's definitely oversized for her. Like, how big was Greta? Yeah, how big was she? She was tall as fuck. Obviously, bigger than <laughs> like she, she's a big big person. It's a big jacket. It's huge. <laughs> she keeps it though, um, but they uh, they didn't li- they didn't like her that um, the way that they like Jennifer. He has her be- he has her become aware of the sound, educating her that it is a mating call, asking her to smell it. Ooh. She's weirded out, but she does so with a nervous chuckle, responding that it is sort of sweet. He explains that th- that uh, that is the substance secreted by glands used to attract a mate, and that she's exciting him. Which he's trying, which he's trying to his best to excite her back. Okay, weird conversation to have. But... You know, this is a weird conversation to have. This was a weird relationship in general. Yeah, it was. Which a- never really develops into anything, which is great. No. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, there's no like, oh, you're my student, and I'm the, you're like, you're my protege, and I'm right? Teach you the insect life because that's how they feel like they're setting it up. Yeah, like I'll show you the ways of the insect. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of does a little bit with his like we're like oh I called this this because of this reason. But yeah, like, we don't really get a full on relationship of like them working together or solving the case together. Um, yeah, it's a weird like plot point to have, but this character is interesting. Sure, he's lonely. Yeah, you know, like you you could just kind of get the sense that like he had probably it's a little her safe haven for what happens later on and a place to go to yeah essentially which makes me think like how long was she there you know like three days four days some yeah. shit like that she wasn't there long she's already out here solving cases and talking to weird insect men you know what i'm saying so <laughs> she wasn't there long she chuckles that they just met john comments said um it isn't mating season and he can't he can't explain it she thanks him for everything as she places the bug back into the cylinder glass he shares that um she makes an old man happy 
that was the line that that was a little strange. Offering her to come back um, any time in that a cable car only takes five minutes. He, uh, she isn't so sure about that. He tells her to, um, to mind how she goes when, with her sleepwalking, instructing her to say, quote, I am sleeping, sleepwalking. I must wake up, end quote, if she starts doing it again. She repeats it before thinking that she won't need it since she ha- hasn't had an attack in, uh, for years. Just had one. Uh, blaming it on some other possibilities. Commenting um, about it being the wind. He agrees. The camera dramatically zooming into his face as he explains. That is the particular wind that comes from the Alps. And the blast of warm air causes snow, snow avalanches, making the flowers grow. The hatching of the larvae. Some people get headaches, but when it blows, there are some people who say it causes madness. Finding it to be strange part of the country. The Swiss Transylvania. Hmm. I like how the camera mm. just zooms in close slowly, slowly into yeah, his face like, while he's explaining this. this. It's a plot point. Yeah. This was probably what drove the person mad and created this whole entire thing. And it's it's just the environment. We are all subject to the environment we grow up in. <sighs> Damn, nature, you scary. <laughs> Cut today. Jennifer is back at the school, but the headmistress is having her looked at by their doctors. They are lying her down on the table with a mechanism on her head. Jennifer wanted to know what the EEG machine is supposed to do. The headmistress believes that she that uh, what she did last night was highly irregular, and no student has ever left the school at night. This is my first day. It's like, relax. I'm just come on. Walk. It's okay. Like, and you already got me attached on tables and shit. Jennifer's. This, this seems like it's at the school, which is. I think it is. Interesting that they have all this stuff. Yeah, I think it is because she mentions that the doctor yeah. was uh, the other man that sets foot in the school or whatever. Yeah, really creepy. Yeah. Jennifer sticks up for herself, repeating that she didn't she didn't walk out on purpose and she sleepwalks. The headmistress still finds that to be weird, wanting to find more about it. But Jennifer knows everything she needs to know already have been examined by the best. Knowing that it is not an illness, the doctor thinks that this could be leading up to something more serious, repeating that she said she remembers nothing, thinking that this could be a lead to a new personality that is trying to emerge. And sometimes it is the first step of uh, to schizophrenia. So the, they, I guess, technically weren't wrong, right? We have the personality of her being able to talk to uh, to insects, right? So, and she even um, self diagnoses herself, and as she writes a letter to her father later that we'll talk about, saying like, "Hey, I do have a second personality. I, I right. can do these things." Um, but it's very interesting because we see this a lot in the movies, and then we've always talked about it with like um, movies that we've covered in the past where paranormal or something that's sci-fi-ish gets treated as a mental illness or a health thing and they have to run through the test. We see that in The Exorcist. We see that in The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah. We've seen this take. And it's a very interesting scene in here because I do like how they're doing it. It's like, it's all in white. There's a lot of wiring going on. There's a lot of creepiness to it. It built a lot of tension. Um, I love how mature she is in this film. She's a yeah. very powerful character. She never acts like a teenager. No. She stands up for herself. She makes her points, and she's like, I'm standing by it. Uh, and it's cool to see such a, a strong character in this movie, too, because she gives no shit. She's like, I'm going to do what I want to do. You're all wrong. I believe in myself. It's really cool to see. She's a great fighter girl. Yeah, right, like she's she's a, she's a really good final girl, and 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 she has a great depiction she's got of that survival of, instinct. Exactly, yeah, great depiction of the survivalist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also uh, want to you know kind of piggyback off that too, where um, her 
being so mature for her age has a lot to do with her dad not being there too, right? Like right. her dad not being present. She's always often. had to be there for herself right. and defend herself. Right. So that's why she's got that fighting um, attitude. Fighter's mentality. Yeah, fighter's mentality. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. She, gets out, she gets offended by the statement telling him to forget this if he believes that she's crazy. She's about to take off the helmet, but he try, He tells her to calm down. She allows him to run the test, willing to prove to him um, who the crazy one is. He starts the EEG machine. She uh, starts groaning in pain as she starts remembering the events from last night. Flashes of the events in her head, including the murder of Giselle. She rips off the helmet sitting up. The headmistress wondering if she's on drugs or if she's epileptic. Jennifer grabs her clothes, firmly telling her that she isn't crazy, schizophrenic, epileptic, or stoned. Walking out, uh, walking off like she is a supermodel on a supermodel runway. Yeah, this was Good so for her moment. So great. This was like straight up like, nah. nah. I like yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I'm gonna take control of my own fucking nah. life. Yeah, 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 yeah. nah, <laughs> yeah, nah. Get out of here. This is not going down like this. Fuck you. I'm out. It's like I see you over there. I see what's here. This is both monkey business. Yep. <laughs> I didn't mention too that um, Fru is there as well. Like she, she's everywhere. She is everywhere. Which, I mean, <laughs> the way she reacts to. Yeah, like she kind of walks up to her and things like that. Super interesting. Mm. Cuts her, um, cuts her on the phone, calling Shapiro Evans, um, asking them to, or excuse me, it's, uh, I think Shapiro. I think it's Morris Shapiro, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the point where I was like, I got a good look at her face. I'm like, this is Jennifer Calling. And this one, I looked her up. I'm like, it is. I knew it. What's, how far are we into this fucking in. movie? 35 minutes in, and it took you 35 minutes to tell that was Jennifer Connolly. Yeah. Great. Yep. She doesn't look that much. <laughs> but that's what it's like. This is a very clear shot of her that's, that's super true, well that's lit. True. And I'm like, that is her. I'm bull- like, no bullshit. Unless this is like her doppelganger. How fucking shocked would you have been if it wasn't her? I would like, they need to meet up. How is this possible? It's like, you're, you're twins. <laughs> Great. But it is Jennifer Golly. Yeah, it is Jennifer Golly. Yes. Um, asking them to uh, speak with Morris. Oh, yeah. Shapiro Evans, I guess, was think it was like maybe someone that Morris is with. I don't know. Sure. Correcting yourself to Mr. Shapiro, identifying herself to um, to find out that he's out of town for three days. Not understanding that it is um, it is currently Passover. While she's on the on the phone inside of the phone booth, two schoolgirls comes walking by, giggling and gossiping about Jennifer w- waking up in her sleep. How do they know? Um, they go <laughs> up really. to another girl, continuing the gossiping giggles until they until she exits out the booth. Sophie asks what's wrong. When she uh, comes out, Jennifer mentions that it is her father's agent wanting him to get her get her out of the out of the school. Sophia doesn't understand why she wants to leave. Jennifer explains that Sophie for, uh, um, that Sophie forgot about the doctor being the other man to have set foot in the school besides her little brother. Sophie jokes that he's not a man. Then what is he? Uh, Jennifer also brings up the fact that uh, she forgot about the col- the killer. The bell rings and the girls are off to class. The headmistress is teaching the, uh, the class full of girls, wanting someone to f- answer her question about deciphering what a poet is trying to convey. She picks on one girl named Elizabeth in the front row with a BG shirt on. Well, how out of place was she? And I thought the shirt's like it's not even well like no, it's like a self made shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like look at look at the fucking lead singer's face of the Bee Gees. 
It's like barely hanging it, onto the shirt. It's like it's just got buckling the shirt. That like moment. It's great. Like, here's your shirt. It looks like it's not even part of her shirt. <laughs> it looks like she had like made a poster and like and she's just like it. yeah, just like glued it to her shirt. Everyone is dressed very much differently. Like everyone's yeah. dressed their own personality, right? Um but it's uh Barry Gibb, that's his name. Yeah, I was like, I I have to remember his name, Barry Gibb. Um, but everyone is just like, you know, like their age. But for it to be a boarding school, you would assume they would have like uniforms or right. something to distinguish. I would assume uniform. Yeah. Something to distinguish. But they don't. Everyone's just dressed like they're from the eighties. <laughs> That's just it. She stands up and jokes about the poet taking the words out of the Bee Gees song. The class erupts in laughter. It wasn't that funny. The headmistress continues teaching the class. Jennifer is nervous if the killer saw, saw her and she's scared. Worried about sleepwalking again and running right into him. Pleading for Sophie to keep an eye, eye on her tonight. Wanting her to lock the door. Wanting her to promise to, to stop her if she hears her get up. She doesn't have a chance to say anything when the headmistress calls on her, on her to answer the question. She didn't hear the question, but the headmistress forces her to answer the question anyway. Jennifer drops her head and tells her what to say. Sophie tries her best to repeat it. The headmistress is pleased with her response. Asking a follow-up question, Jennifer scoffs, saying, quote, screw the pass, end quote. Sophie repeats that. The class is stoked by her response, but the headmistress is not. She turns off the projector, quieting down the class. Sophie sits back down, agreeing to keep an eye on Jennifer tonight. That was all it took. Like, you got my back, I got your back. Let's there you go. go. But she didn't have Best her back. Friends. They are in bed yeah. for the night. Sophie is lying in bed, and she gets up when she sees a flashing light coming from outside the window. She opens the window to check um, check it out um, to see a man, her man, outside turning his flashlight on and off. <laughs> That's the signals. That's her bat signal. For real. <laughs> That's her booty call. She's like, I'm out. She's just like, okay. This is the back in the day, you up? (laughs) For real. (laughs) This was legit the back in the day, are you up? Like, this was straight up, like, her booty call. Her boo was standing outside, so she goes over to change her clothes, dropping something on the ground, checking to make sure she didn't wake up Jennifer. She then proceeds to leave leave out of the room with the TV still on. The news comes on the tube, showcasing the news about Giselle um, with her parents and Rudolph. Sophie... Uh, makes it outside. Her boyfriend is hiding behind a bush. I couldn't find a name for him, so I just have him boyfriend. as boyfriend. Mm-hmm. She makes it outside. Or excuse me, he goes up behind her and grabs her uh, and grabs her by the mouth, putting his hand um, over her mouth. She then she then starts to kiss him as she asks uh, if he likes her clothes. He finds it to be nice, wanting to know where she, where it came from. She claims that that she put it on by mistake, revealing that it's Jennifer's and she's her new roommate. He perversely is intrigued, wanting to know what she looks like. She claims that she's pretty and wears her hair the same way. I mean, I wouldn't say she wears her hair the same way, but maybe she just means down? I don't know. Yeah. Adding that she sleepswalks, Sophie mimics um, the way she walks. Like, far. She walks really far away. I'm thinking she's gonna stop soon. Nope. Keeps keeps walking. Keeps walking. Someone seems to be watching her as she uh, walks over to another building. They uh, they make out, they have a make-out session, um, but it comes to a halt when her boyfriend needs to leave because he has to get up early. She wants him to stay to stay longer, but he can't. She calls him she calls him a shit. He turns around asking her, What did you say? 
She changes it to fuck you. He then smiles and waves as, oh, and then he just waves and he's like, okay. (laughs) You. Oh, you. Meanwhile, Jennifer starts having another vision while she sleeps. Sophie is walking back to the building alone when she hears the weapon attached behind her. She makes a run for it. Jennifer continues tossing and turning in bed. Sophie screams as she continues um, being chased in the woods. Jennifer finally calms down before slowly opening her eyes to begin her next sleepwalking episode. She takes... She takes off her covers and starts walking as uh, as her mind rushes past all the doors in the hallway. She tries to tell herself that she's sleepwalking and that she must wake up, but it doesn't work. She reaches for the door, touching the handle with a loud bang. Um, uh, she's brought back to reality, looking around the room for Sophie, but she notices that she isn't there. Sophie tries to make it make it to the building, falling to the on the ground, letting out a scream as she receives the sharp staff. And the staff is like it's like a modern um Naganata. What a Naganata is, it's like those Japanese samurai poles, like mm-hmm. in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Even though mm-hmm. I don't think that's Japanese. But um it's kind of like those. But it's like a modern take on like that. Like a metal one. Yeah, like a metal spear. All full like stainless steel. Right. Metal rod with a spear at the end. <clears throat> like imagine Donatello, but with knives at the end of his sticks. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. There was a point where I thought she was the killer, and I thought this like, oh, this is our storyteller that we can't trust because she sleepwalks and she's. That would be fucking. I feel cool like too. she connects to the murders, and that's when she starts sleepwalking for some reason as well. But they never really bring that up a again. A lot too. of interesting powers this yeah. one has for sure. So she has like these visions or feelings that something is happening. Uh, And this besides her talking to insects, which is a whole different thing. Um, But yeah, it's very interesting to see her interact with situations that are not even near her. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting because she has this, I don't know, it's it's like she's attracted to it, right? Has that sixth sense. Right. Jennifer hears it out from outside her room. She runs over to the window, opening it up, opening it up to another windy night, but she doesn't see anything. She then goes outside the building to take a message from our sponsors. And we're back. And so so, so are those. Those hey, ad breaks. They're was bad. That an ad? Hopefully it was a cool ad. Hopefully it was. Yeah. No idea. Hopefully it was about, I don't know, feet cream. Uh so she- <laughs> Searching for her roommate based on her screen, <laughs> she sees a firefly. And she goes up to it and extends her hand out and lands on her and flies back off, wanting her to follow it. She does so, reaching out her hand beside the, th- the thorn-riddled bush, carefully grabbing a black glove that was stuck on the thorn. She scratches herself in the process, but the sky booms with thunder as lightning flashes. She runs back inside the building as the storm begins, turning on her light to, uh, to her room and screaming, which causes someone downstairs to turn on their light, which causes someone from upstairs to turn on their light. Lots of lights turning on. Cut to Jennifer on a train, writing a letter to her father. She tells him that the police came this morning and the headmistress told them to not believe anything she says because she thinks she's crazy. Thinking that her dad might feel the same way. Thinking that um, there was nothing she could possibly do. Not able to say anything about what she saw or why she screamed. Do you want to talk about this scene real quick? 
What this scene? Yeah. With her putting on the glove for some reason. Yeah. Because she found outside that she wanted to take off and bring it back inside the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So she puts on the glove <laughs> for some reason, takes her hand out immediately. When she notices a bunch maggots. Of maggots all over her, which is kind of like chewing on her, and they kind of like see her and she sees it, seeing her, and then, or no, seeing uh, the victim. Right. Because apparently they touch the victim. Which she touches the maggot, which says, hey, this is what happened. Your friend's dead. <laughs> it's like, ah. And it was like a flashback, right? Because, like, it flashes back to that night yeah, after so it's, she's it's on the train. It's a weird edit choice. Yeah. But it kind of makes sense structurally, I guess. Sure. It's like, hey, we see the scene. We see everyone turn on their lights. Why did she scream? She's thinking about the occasion. She's thinking about it on while she's in that, like, real uh, trolley or whatever. And then we get a quick glimpse of why she screamed. Yeah. And then the story continues from there. Right. It's a, yeah, it's a very interesting way to structure it, but I guess it still makes sense. Yeah. But it's a little jarring. It is jarring. Yeah. And maggots are gross. And maggots are gross. Well, it's a lot of them in this. And maybe they have six eyes because they have like multiple little <laughs> things. I don't know how maggots work, you know? I mean, they but just. I like the, the POV of what we see from the insects. It's kind of cool to look at. Um, something creative. And like I said, this is a very unique film as well. Um, yeah. It's interesting. It's really interesting because when she does put that hand, that, that glove on, she does immediately take it off and it's covered in maggots, but it's like a maggot stuck on the bed of her nail. Right. And like, oh, it was disgusting. It's disgusting. Uh, and it's like, whose glove was this? Who the fuck's glove was this? What, what the fuck? The killer's glove. Was it the killer's glove? Yeah. So the big thing with the maggots, especially what they're talking about too, so the it whole follows. It of follows like, death. That is, it, yes, to an extent, but also surrounded by death. Right. So the, the actual killer that we actually find out who it is. Yeah. This person constantly keeps their corpses and stuff like that. Right. Um. And I love how he kind of brings up like, oh, and they keep the and they keep themselves covered up too because we we do see this person yeah. a lot. But um, they do also keep themselves covered up is what we can also see as well. The big thing is the infestation. There's so much death in that person's house that that person itself is surrounded by maggots and gets infected by maggots. Their whole living area, when she goes to the bathroom, we'll talk about that scene, you can see that it's overrunning that person's house, overrunning their clothes probably as well. Which is interesting because, like, how could you not smell it? Oh, I'm sure you can. But, but, like, she didn't react to it. It's hard because it's only at that person's house, essentially. And yeah. that's like really underground in this weird corridor thing. See um, that big ass bug by her head, though? There's a lot of bugs in Jesus the fucking Christ. I don't like bugs, dog. I don't like them. Uh, yeah. I, I, nah, I don't I like them. You're scared of spiders, huh? I'm not scared of spiders, but if they're on me, that's I don't enough. like that. Yeah, that's fair. I don't like that. Get off me. Yeah, yeah don't I'll, touch me. <laughs> I'll leave you alone if you leave me alone. Right. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's and fair. I won't like kill them. I'll just like flick them off me. I'm like, that was disgusting. Hopefully you survived that fall. I'm sure you did. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, hey, yo, <laughs> like asshole. <laughs> I don't like the bugs. I don't like. I don't are... like them on me. No, you can do your thing. Live your life. Uh, you Don't know, be on my life. Th- there's some people that do. Some people that very they much like enjoy bugs. bugs. Who does that? No, They're I don't know. Entomologists. Uh, <laughs> but I... Uh, all our listeners that do this. <laughs> <laughs> I personally 
I don't mind certain bugs, obviously, but the ones that for me are just like fuck that no goes locusts, grasshoppers, and fucking um, crickets. I hate all three of those fucking things. Crickets, huh? Hate them. Hmm. First of all, grasshoppers also fly. They do. They do. I saw that in dance. Yes. Yeah. Scary. Yes. Very scary. Fuck grasshoppers. Not a fan. Crickets. Not they a fan noise. either. They make they do make noise with their feet. Beep beep. Uh, but not a fan. Jeremy. Not I don't a fan. like him. Jeremy Who? the cricket. Right. Who's, Who's Jeremy? Oh, Jiminy. Jiminy. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Jeremy. <laughs> Sorry for all the Jeremys out there. Let me you. <laughs> but if you're named Jiminy, fuck you. <laughs> no, Damn cricket. But you don't have a conscience, so that's good. Yeah, no, fuck that, dude. I I can't do it. Can't do it. Oh my god! So I went to a county fair in the San Mateo one, um, and they had a butterfly exhibit. Oh. How are you with butterflies? How am I with butterflies? Yeah, I don't mind them. They're creepy looking. The saddest thing, and this is why I'm like, I don't know why they even think about it. But like you talked about, like the nectar or whatever, like yeah. and stuff. They gave us Q-tips mm. uh, filled with like a little little juice on there. You know, yeah, it's like, like sugar like, water. Hop hop on the little Q-tip and you're like, you can take photos. I will never do that again because as much as I don't like insects sometimes, it's so sad to see at the end of like your little tour of like butterfly land. There was a trash can just filled with dead butterflies. What? Yeah. And it was just right there in the open for everyone to see. Why? Because people either step on them or they're getting crushed by little Q-tips. Like people oh, are fuck. people, right? Um, They're very delicate. They're very small. Yeah. Uh, so anything could like harm them. And you just see so many. I'm like, this is so sad. Like it was a beautiful moment walking in and seeing all these butterflies fly around. And then you go to the end of the tour. I'm like, this is death. Well, that's one of the reasons I like, why I don't Damn. go to fairs in general. Yeah. It's oh because my God. I, I they still think, sell animals. Dude, animals too. They, yeah, they sell animals. Yeah. Uh, they had a camel, which is cool to see in yeah. person. But it just looks so sad giving like rides to fucking people who like, I want to ride a camel. Fuck you, man. Yeah. Um, like, yeah just seeing all the animals there, they look just sad. I'm yeah. like, I don't I, like any of this. I've like, I came here for the food and the good times with my friends. But now I'm walking out like this. It's I, all this somber and sad. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 Although most, not most, but a few zoos are like sanctuaries and and stuff like that. Sanctuaries and stuff like that. But um, like if you want one that's like a legit one, uh, go to Curiodicy. Curiodicy is an actual sanctuary um, Mm. for um, animals that got hurt in the wild. Um, And it's a rehabilitation center. But um, same with the California Academy of Science. Same one. Same thing. Um, But same concept. I mean, the, I go in that one in like the the dome, the humidity dome. Yeah. I don't know what to really call it, but where the butterflies are there, and and I mean they have like nets and things like that, and they have a bunch of signs telling you to watch your step, right. and before you even leave, you have to shake off your clothing. Right, they check you and stuff yeah, like that too. So yeah. like you you because they don't want them to leave out of that space because they'll die yeah. <laughs> pretty much. But yeah. Anyway, enough about bugs, but more bugs. <laughs> John inspects the maggots from the glove, <laughs> questioning if she thinks that the glove belonged to the killer. She nods her head, thinking that she's sure of it, not understanding why maggots. He corrects her that they that they are larvae. They're maggots. Able to identify them if, if she uh, gives, gives them some time, where he might also be able to give her an answer, possibly some other questions too, um, or possibly some, some answers to other questions too. 
She agrees. Walking out of the room, he grabs his laser pointer for Inga, but she knows the way. She's about to walk back out, but she's uh, he calls her back um, that she's forgetting her notebooks. She thanks him. Grabbing the books as the insects freak out inside their tanks, John wants to understand why they are behaving that way, especially since they ha- have never done that before. She looks over at them. Guessing that they sense her mood. He claims that he's also in a bad mood, but they've never done anything quite like this before. He tries to understand the connection between insects and the human soul, wondering if it's because of the mystery of the of them both. He knows that Jennifer understands ain't something about her excuse me. He knows that Jennifer understands something about her ability. She sighs, putting her books back down, revealing that the firefly led led her to the glove, adding that the police came to, to the school and asked her a lot of questions, but she didn't tell them how she found the glove, not wanting them to think she was crazy. Did you even tell them about the glove? Because he has it. Uh, <laughs> he claims uh, that she could tell him, wanting to know what happened. She explains that she she was standing alone in the dark and she needed help. Then a firefly appeared, almost as if it hurt her and answered her call. The bug um, calms down inside inside their tanks he mentions that she did she did that just by telling him that she finds that to be ridiculous but he calls it new that being the essence of discovery to scientists some of the things that he's discovered that his fellow scientists have considered absurd continuing that the paranormal powers in insects are natural but they're unusual in humans we learned this in deep red. She's some species being able to telepathically communicate with each other and at great distances. He picks up his book, quote, communication amongst insects End quote, to give her an example, handing it to her that it, um, it's normal for insects to be telepathic. She understands that wondering if she's normal cut to Jennifer back at school, flipping through John's book before walking down the hall, the school g- girls tap on her shoulder to stick her tongue out at her and make fun of her as they <laughs> giggle and walk the opposite direction. Hey, yes. what the fuck? Why? It's just like, and they're all just That's like the chuckling. Most thing oh, there. absolutely. It's just like, is this elementary or what? Poor Jennifer. She's just like, she's like looking at that door for a minute. Like, what yeah. the fuck <laughs> was she's that? She's like, she's by it. She's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. She walks around the headmistress speaking. Um, she walks. She walks toward her room to the headmistress speaking to a few students. Why are they speaking to her, them in her room? Right, they broke into her room and read her journal. Essentially, what the fuck? Yeah, that's the most. Sophie's dead. No one cares. Like no one cares. <laughs> she's walking toward the headmistress. Um, she's walking toward her room to the headmistress speaking to a few students. She wants one of them to watch watch over her. The girl comments that she's afraid of her since since she arrived and Sophie disappeared. Hmm. Mm. Adding that she's crazy, telling him to listen to the uh, to this letter that she wrote her dad. What? Fighting the part where she's asking her dad if he remembers that the do- what the doctor said about sleepwalking and manifesting a split personality. Finding that to be true and her second personality is emerging, revealing that she communicates with insects. Her, uh, the headmistress takes the paper away to read, it, read the rest herself, going over Jennifer, explaining how she has powers over them. And she fucking reads it back to them. Mm-hmm. Adding that she has um, John as her witness. The schoolgirl cuts her off that she's crazy. Jennifer has had enough going inside the room and snatching up the paper, telling them that uh, that it's hers. 
Um, she walks out of the room, trying her best to uncrumble her paper. One of the girls comes out, stopping her to mimic a buzzing sound. The rest of the girls are making fun of her and mocking her telepathic ability toward insects. More and more ch- all chime in and pick on her, surrounding her as th- she screams for them to leave her alone. They all chant, quote, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you, as the headmistress yells for them to calm down, and this is enough. Jennifer gets out of it, moved onto a circle, staring at all of them with tears running down her face. Wind begins to blow at her hair. She tells the room of girls that she loves them as all in display of her power. Thousands of flies surround the windows as she becomes Lord of the Flies. All of the schoolgirls look at the windows in absolute horror as Jennifer continues smiling as she watches. She drops to the ground, her vision blurred before passing out. It's like, oh shit, this was too much power. The fucking wind blowing, I was right, like, okay, Eleven. The like, light right into her like, face. Character. Yeah. What um, are those girls' fire the a uh, fire extinguisher at her. Oh yeah. Like, that shit was like, fucking like, crazy. It's like what what the hell? Like they're going nuts on her. And you can never use that fire extinguisher again. Yep. True facts. Just saying. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So if you test it, make sure it's it's the right right time to test it. <laughs> That's as fucked up as weird as it may sound. Don't test fire extinguishers. You'll never be able to use them again. Mm. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah, this was crazy. Got the tears still rolling down her face and shit. She's like, enough. (laughs) Like, like fucking, (laughs) like Master Raiden in fucking Mortal Kombat. (laughs) I love how they're staring at her though. And look at the headmistress. She's okay. Yeah. Everyone's just like fucking chilling. And everyone's just like, okay, no, this is fine. And then they all look back. This was great CGI. Fucking yeah. Star Wars. I blame this on you. While Jennifer is sleeping, head, the um, headmistress tells a nurse that she called an ambulance to take her to the hospital, thinking they'll be better equipped to calm her down. The nurse wonders if she's insane. Headmistress, the headmistress considers her to not be normal by di- but diabolic, referencing the Bible referring to the devil as Bezelbub, Lord of the Flies, calling Jennifer the Lady of the Flies, wanting, to, wanting the nurse to call her as soon as she wakes up. Jennifer continues acting as if she is asleep as the nurse sits across from her and knits. The nurse then eventually falls asleep, that being Jennifer's chance. She carefully removes her IV, trying her best to not make much noise from the ripping ripping of the tape i think that ivy was legit in her yeah i think so too jesus fucking christ because like when she pulled it out i was like <gasps> it's funny how fast this nurse sleeps falls asleep yeah she like picks up her yarn it's like i'll watch you i'm gonna be working on this oh i'm sleeping <laughs> she immediately goes to sleep as well as soon as she picks up her yarn it's like i work on this shit and i've been working on it a while no, I'm yeah no nope, she's knocked the fuck out she was not heavy she was tired too yeah she was tired of shit like, but yeah, when she rips this fucking IV out, I think I think that was legit yeah. in her, in her skin, because it was slow, and I think that's the reason why and she was even. Told her like, you need to take this off slowly. Yeah, so fucking right blood way. doesn't probably spurt out. Oh god damn it! Were we watching the scene? By the way, everybody, she's slowly removing the tape, and yeah. This uh, this scene's pretty intense. This is a scene that, like, for sure, my wife would not be able to handle. She hates Butterfly needles. Butterfly needle, too, is, like, the small me- needle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't like it. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, dude. For fucking sure, that's inside of her skin. Uh, for sure. 
That has to be. Okay, like, so... Th- that arm does not look like a prosthetic. <laughs> like, that's a legit vein right there. That's true. You can see the... Oh, my God. But the blood it. doesn't look accurate. The blood? Yeah. It does, though, though. And it's even still dripping from the IV. The blood doesn't stop me on it. You don't think so? Nah. Could just be a color correction thing, man. It could be a color correction. Because, yeah, that blood doesn't look like that. I don't know. Anyway. But, yeah, I think you're right. It could be a color correction. And I think, no, for sure, that's legit. Yeah. 100%. Because, like, it even looks like her arm slightly, uh, you know how your arm kind of pusses up? She's smart, too. She knows that, like, she's actually compressing the cotton on her, too. And they probably told her that because that's accurate, too, to stop the bleeding. It's like you have to hold it down for a little bit. If it was just a movie, they'd probably just skip They probably would just skip it, yeah. That's very accurate. Yeah. I was like, hey, put pressure on it immediately to take the thing off because they usually put the cotton on there and put a tape over it. Um, and I'm sure they did that immediately afterwards, too. Right. Or else it will keep bleeding. Yeah, that like that scene, I was like, yeah, that's legit. And it also and looks, it looks like, like her... still bleeding, yeah. Yeah, it looks like she's still bleeding. And also, it looks like it's uh, kind of boiled. Because you know how like it, it raises a little bit? When you when you get like shots and stuff, it looks like it's doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was real. Um, anyway, it was still gross. Pulling the needle <laughs> out of her arm and quickly dabbing the, um, dabbing the blood while uh, while keeping her eyes on the nurse, she runs into the IV pole, catching it before it crashes to the ground. The nurse is still asleep. Jennifer quickly gathers some of her things and puts on her jacket. The needle to the yarn falls off the woman's lap. The ball, but. <laughs> falls into the ball of yarn, catching it from hitting the ground. Jennifer hears the ambulance pull up. She qu- she checks out the out of the window before trying to escape out of the door. The cuckoo clock then springs out. This is a fucking series of unfortunate events over here. She runs and successfully closes it before it's, she wakes up. She meets with John, snarking at the comment about her being diabolical. He asks Inga if Jennifer looks like the devil to her, letting her know that she isn't a devil. The only one, the like, only one yeah, being like the- <laughs> her finger off. <laughs> I knew you were going to put the devil. In the way, like this, 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 this monkey does not look like it's having fun on set. No, this monkey's probably this hungry and alone, just like, yeah. dude, let me fucking go. Like even when it when she helps him on his thing, she's like trying to eat his like handles. Yeah, poor monkey. Come on, this is why I would never like diminish a movie's points for having CGI animals. Yeah, never. Like I am completely one hundred percent for CGI animals. Always, even dogs. Yeah, even fucking dogs. Just saying. He he empathizes, understanding what it feels like it what it feels like to be unacceptable or unaccepted, excuse me, suggesting that the difference between the two of them is that he lost something with his, his accident while she gained something. She's in a position to do extraordinary things. He hurries over toward his lab wanting to show her something. He has, um, he has her look at the larvae that were inside the glove um, underneath the microscope, calling them uh, larvae of the great sarcophagus. It's a cool name. Yeah. He looks inside of uh, it's just a housefly. He, he looks inside at the uh, microscope, educating that it lives exclusively off human ra- remains. I was like, "That's not true." 
I see those fucking things eating on like rotten fruit and everything. Like, what are you talking about? She repeats the name of the creature. He calls it the flesh eater. It being capable of picking up the scent of a dead body over uh, vast distances. She doesn't understand why the glove has so many of, of them in it. He theorizes that it could be because the killer likes to keep their victims close to them, mm. possibly conserving them. Mm. John, and I like that he used the word conserving and not preserving because mm. there's nothing preserved here. No. Like it's one big soup. That scene made Poltergeist look, look like a fucking child's play. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Holy shit. That made that like made me think like, yeah. Poser guys is for sure PG. <laughs> John knows that they uh, they will need to call on the two greatest detectives ever known, changing it to unknown until now. She doesn't understand who he's talking about. He comments her in him, pointing down at a fly, um, calling it the great sarcophagus. He takes it out of the box, telling her to hold um, hold out her hand. It crawls on her, wanting her to ask uh, ask it to lead her, and it will. Uh, and it will call in the fly her magic wand. She questions if it would work. He believes that it would um, with her gift. Jennifer thinks that it could take a lifetime, and the killer could be anywhere. He explains that the killer will only be about fifty kilometers. Sharing the story about the first victim, he knows um, that when she gets near the house, the house. Um, excuse me. He knows that when she gets near the house, the fly will go crazy and head over toward the dead bodies. He, th- uh, all she, all she'll needing, all she'll need to do is follow it and then come straight back there. He asks if she f- uh, fills up to it. She does. Wanted to make sure she catches them f- for Sophie. That's sweet, but you only knew Sophie for like two days, right? Don't put your life in danger for that. Don't do that. She agrees that he also wants him uh, caught. Wishing her and the fly good luck. Cut to Jennifer riding a bus with the fly in her lap. The bus stops to let some people on, off and the others on. Jennifer opens up the window as, um, as the bus keeps driving, checking on the fly to see its reaction as the bus drives down the highway. She continues checking as they um, as they go deeper into the countryside, not noticing the man with the fedora and trench coat. The bus finally is coming uh, to another stop. The fly goes crazy. She pleads for the bus to wait and runs to get off. Looking around for a moment before letting the fly out of the box to follow it. Uh, Jennifer keeps... This was so funny to me when the bus, like, drives away. There's a passenger who goes in the back to close her window. (laughs) There was a passenger that was, like, just angry with her. I know. I don't know why. And... Maybe they weren't supposed to be filming there. (laughs) No, I mean, the the whole rig and stuff like that, it had to be, like, fully set up. Oh, of course. But, like, this person was just yelling at her for some reason, and she yells back at her. But... I don't know what the fuck they were saying to each other. I was was talking to Prince earlier. It's like, I saw a version on Tubi. Yes. Where there was uh, (laughs) moments where they're speaking different languages. And I was like, this is part of the movie, I guess. I don't know. They, like, cut from English to a different language, and then cut back to English. This was one of those scenes. When she was yelling at her, it was was in in a different language. And I was like... What's happening? And that's okay. Like, okay, angry. But they never explained it. I'm like, I'm confused. Like, what did she do wrong? I just think she left the window open. Oh, maybe. Yeah. 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 I think that was literally it. Like, she left the window open because they, like, slammed the window. Yeah. And I just think that was was mainly it. Like, you know how windy this place is? It can drive someone crazy. (laughs) Transylvania. (laughs) 
Close down. <laughs> Jennifer only keeps uh, only keeps her eye on the fly as she walks down the hill. I love how they did this too. It's very simple. Like we don't see the fly at all, but she's just literally just moving her head all frantically just to make it seem like there's over a fly. That's over here now. Eventually, uh, make it into the house from earlier in the film. The fly lands on the window of the house, going inside of a crack. There's someone watching her from a car on top of the hill with a uh, motor running. She enters inside the house, looking around for a moment, startled when the door slams behind her, but that doesn't stop her from continuing her search around the seemingly abandoned house. Entering another room with a tarp on top of random stuff on the floor. She lifts it to, to find a bunch of junk. She meets back up with the fly, it landing on her before showing her another area of the house. It takes Jennifer to a closet where she notices rolled up papers. She uses a stool to try to reach them, but she's still she's still too short, needing to jump to try to reach. She busts a hole through the floor, which then causes her to grab the ledge of the shelf. She screams as she tries to hold on, the shelf breaking and her falling to the ground hard. That, that looked real. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, that was rough. She tries to comfort herself, but someone grabs her from behind. A man, the real estate agent. Um, well, what the fuck was that? Oh, no. That was Spooky. weird. Spooky, Chris. I don't know if you heard that, but that was scary. Yeah, and so for context, everybody, what just happened? We heard a bell. We do have the windows open, though. Why would there be a bell? I don't know. Someone did in just get in their door. car. Yeah. <laughs> it's a person. Ah! Yeah. Problem solved. Loki. Thank you, Fly. It's the killer. <laughs> the great sarcophagus. Holding on the, onto her arms as he explains that this house is for sale, she apologizes, not wanting to cause any harm. She gets out of his grip, running across the field. He watches her as she runs across the field away from him. Meanwhile, the fly goes on top of a hole, entering inside to, uh, to reveal a severed hand with maggots eating away at the flesh. The agent it's is got to be the original house. Yeah, they did all this stuff. Oh, for sure. It's and, be. and I, I think she was just, uh, or they was just cleaning up shop right. when they moved to this different place, and they just forgot this severed fucking hand there. The agent is fixing up a board on on the side of the house while Rudolph comes up to him. The agent asks if he could uh, help him. Rudolph confidently asks who he is. The agent introduces himself. Rudolph wonders if uh, if anyone is living in the house now. There isn't. The agent wants to know where he came from since he didn't hear hear him drive up. Rudolph reveals that he came came from the back, changing the topic and wanting to know how long the house has been empty. The agent believes about seven or eight months. Rudolph wants to know about the previous tenants, but the agent would have to go check with the agency, letting him know that they don't even uh, give out that information and it's against company policy. Rudolph brings out the big guns, finally sharing who the fuck he is to shut that shit down. And that's the last time we see Rudolph. Yep, nothing ever comes out of that. The fuck was he for? Nothing. Got to Inga white outside uh, while the wind is rustling the leaves. She sees a kite stuck in the in a tree and decides to go to pull it out. Um, well, I guess we do see Rudolph one more time soon. Actually, um, the he's helping him. 
out of the house, I guess. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the doors, uh, the door to the house slams shut. She runs back over to it and banging and screeching for the door to open back up. There's a, a, someone else in the house with a knife. Inga uh, works on breaking the window to another door as she screeches louder and wakes up John. He looks from the top of the stairs and noticing her trying to break down the door. He comes down uh, the stairs, but the killer stops him on the, on the steps. John notices, or John doesn't notice how, uh, trying his best to get the stair lift to work again. He shouts at Inga for letting herself out again as she continues going absolutely savage. He notices the dark shadow of the, of the killer and their weapon shimmering in the moonlight. Maybe, maybe they had for this monkey to go, or this chimp to go crazy. Maybe it was just Jennifer Connelly just standing on the other side. Like, I got you this one time. Oh, you want more? Huh? You want more of this? I'll bite off your toe next. The killer starts that lift, uh, starts the lift again, bringing him down as he tries to shine the red laser to see who the person is. Why? The fuck? It's a laser pointer. Come on. Try to shine in their eyes and shit. He asks who this person is, but the killer doesn't uh, say anything. He just stabs John in the stomach. Killing him instantly. Inga breaks inside the house, whimpering as John sits there sits there dead. He's just dead. She screeches with anger. She's the like, killer Ugh. the killer tries to flee. But Inga this was the most underwhelming kill. Like right. I was hoping for something a little bit more. I thought it was gonna be something like wild with like the little chairlift. Yeah. This was interesting though, like when the you close up of the eye with the well, the close up of the eye, but like when he's like moving the laser, you can't see who it is. If you if you backspace it a little bit, you could see that it is a woman, and you you can uh, kind of also from their eye as well, um, with like their eyelashes and things like that. But you can kind of see a little bit more well, like yeah. of the features that uh, they're more feminine features. So it's it's interesting. But yeah. I was hoping that like the sun was out here just fucking wreaking havoc, but he wasn't. The killer tries to flee, but Inga hops on the top of the car. The killer swerves from left to right until she falls on the off the roof. Meanwhile, the police and the coroner are at John's house um talking talking him away while cranking some motorhead. Where did this come from? <sighs> Damn that. <laughs> <laughs> one of his monkey attacked him. I swear, like they had to like have thrown the monkey with the scene where like it falls off the car. Yeah, like I, yeah, this makes me feel bad for the monkey a lot. Oh yeah, yeah they like someone like threw this monkey. Oh for sure, no that that monkey definitely fell on the ground. And he's all like, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jennifer calling your next. <laughs> We should be making jokes about this. I mean, everybody had we should be. Everyone ended up being okay. Making light of the situation, of course. But also, this is the cautionary tale, right? Don't mess with nature. Oh fuck! That monkey. We are justifying why this monkey did it. The chip. The chip was definitely like, what the fuck? Yeah, like did you happened. see the cut when the monkey gets thrown off the car? Oh fucking Someone- hell! Probably like push the monkey or like yeah something cost the monkey something. And even the monkey's like, uh uh-uh. uh, <sighs> like what the hell just happened? Yeah, it was definitely fucked up. But 
Her running was weird. <laughs> Jennifer seems, uh, sees him being brought out on a stretcher and runs away from the crowd. Rudolph is speaking with a psychiatrist doctor who is telling him that, that a patient has never escaped from there and the killer can't be there. Rudolph explains that he doesn't believe someone got out of his institution, but rather someone getting inside. What? The fuck are you talking about? Anyway, knowing that they, they've had uh, a case like this, the doctor agrees, explaining that it was 15 years ago, and since then, only staff are allowed down there. I assume that um, our killer... I'm just going to say now. It was Fru. Um, our killer Fru... <gasps> gasp. Um, was in this asylum. Or this uh, that's institution. What leading towards? I think that's what... And I feel like this is the hallway that she's been taking a vision of. Maybe. With the many doors and stuff like that. Possibly. But I don't know why she's having that vision. They never really explained that as well no. or where she's at. But I'm assuming it is this place. Yeah. Adding that uh, that the further down they, that down you go, the more monstrous the inmates become. Comparing mm. them to hell. They check in on one inmate that is groaning and staring at them. What? None of this makes sense. Cut to Jennifer on the phone yelling at, at Morris um, that she wants to come home and she doesn't have any money for her ticket. She sighs that she ran away from school because they want to lock her away in an institution. She doesn't want to tell him about about it over the phone, willing to tell him about it while she's back in L.A., asking which bank he uses in Zurich, wanting him to send her, send her some money, demanding him to do it, and she doesn't want to be murdered, knowing that someone there wants to kill her, revealing that he's already tried once. Back with Inga is uh, searching for, for some food while she continues her hunt uh, for the killer, finding a straight razor inside the trash can. Jennifer is... Uh, whew, she, Inga mean business. Look how happy this monkey is. Like, I'm about to kill Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Je- he walks away with this like the razor like was so confident oh yeah ready to fuck shit up he's like oh yes look at this <laughs> I'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer is out of the bank the teller apologizing up to her about about there not being any money for her there she wants him to double check wondering if the money just hasn't arrived to the computers yet he flicks he flicks through a balance ledger once again apologizing for there being no money she wonders what she is going to do and that is that this is an emergency the teller assures her that it could be coming at any time telling her to just come back later. She questions if she could wait there. He allows it, but suggests that, that she goes for a walk. She decides to wait inside and uh, wait instead, going over to the chair to sit down. The teller checks uh, his computer again, looking over to her, shaking his head that it hasn't come in yet. She decides to take a nap before being shook awake. It's fruit. She lets her know that Morris called, called them from New York. Do you think that was real? Mm. No. I don't either. Yeah. And he was worried about her and angry with them about losing her. But why didn't she get any money? That's what I'm curious about. Did she stop the wire transfer or something? I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah. They left it they left it very ambiguous. Right. Uh or maybe he just didn't believe her and be like, nah. But he goes there. Instead Why would of he send her money? Yeah, I don't know. Why would he go there? Unless he ended up sending the money later on, and right? It's like, and never, you never and she accepted, never it. accepted like, it. You're in danger. I better go. Like you told right. me that you're like, going to get murdered, right? And now you're not responding, or I'm calling this agency. It's like, oh, she left with this person. It's like, uh, uh-uh. uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Jennifer calls him a bastard. Fru claims he, uh, he was very reasonable and only calmed down when she said she would um, she would get her. Sorry, Freddie, I cut you off. No, I was I was thinking like, where's he at? Who? He's like in the states. Morris. He's yeah. in New York. He gets here in one day. Yeah. Like fast. I mean, flying. Yeah, but like, damn, like you become a hero very quick. And not here at all. Well, let's well let's see how long does it take. And obviously, flights back then definitely took a little bit longer, um, right. just because of how planes work. This is all in one day slash night. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he gets there like that's and that's why that's why I think he never sent her money. I just think he he, just he was just uh, automatically just like let me just go over there and see what the fuck's going on yeah. try to calm you down or something hang out with you for a little bit whatever, um, uh. But now I'm curious how long does it take to get from New York to where are they Switzerland 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 uh about eight hours mm-hmm. about eight hours so very suspicious huh. He was in on it the whole time. Don't be suspicious. Don't, don't be, be suspicious. suspicious. Don't, yeah, don't be, be suspicious. suspicious. <laughs> All right. Jennifer refuses to go back to school. Fruit agrees, letting her know because I'm going to kill you. Um, <laughs> that Morris instructed her to buy her a ticket back to America and go give her some money. Mm. Jennifer agrees with that. She waves at the teller who wishes her luck. She asks Fruit uh, what time is her flight. It's leaving tomorrow at noon. And that's the last flight out th- uh, today. And in the last flight that um, for today has already left. Jennifer wants to know about tonight, not willing to go back to the school, not wanting to ever see it again. Fru claims that to be all right, allowing her to stay at her house with her tonight. They make it to her house um, where it is still so fucking windy. Just so windy. Jennifer is amazed at the sheer size of the house. I would have been amazed that she didn't park in front of the house. They had to walk. Where'd you park? Question if Fru lives there alone. She doesn't, and they um they enter inside the house. She shows Jennifer to her, uh, to a room that she can stay in. Jennifer wonders about the mirrors being covered like that. Fru uh, reveals that she has a small son who's very sick, and she covers them for his sake, not wanting to see his re- his own reflection. She worries about him. Jennifer apologizes as Fru rebuts that there are things that can happen in a woman's life, telling her not to worry and that she won't she won't see him. Now, I, I kind of had a thought like, oh, maybe this happened when she was inside of the asylum. Maybe she was unfortunately raped mm. or something, and this was the person that was born. But I think they mentioned that like he's eight or something, like he was young. He's still young. Yeah, you can tell. He's but young. Th- they mentioned that the last incident they had at that asylum or whatever was fifteen was years fifteen ago. years ago. Yeah. So yeah. Didn't really track. Jennifer claims that she doesn't mind, but uh, Fru tells her no and that it is better that she doesn't. Adding that she stays in her room, quote, with his crazy thoughts, or that he stays in in his room with his crazy thoughts. Okay. Then she offers her some tea. She's like, want some tea? (laughs) Jennifer declines, not wanting to bother her, but it is no bother. She shoots out. She shoots out to get her some time to explore. She sees a shadow of a boy on the wall and decides to head upstairs. She finds a room with the doll sitting down. She kicks the toy train. She kicks the toy train, knocking the doll over. She, uh, she, she gasps as fr- as fruit enters the- and behind her, Jennifer apologizes for um, knocking over the do- or excuse me, thinking that it was her son. 
wondering if he's hurt. Fruit chuckles that she as she grabs the doll, and she like grabs the doll. Right. Jennifer uh, raises her voice for her to not grab him like that. Fruit throws the doll on the ground, telling her what it is and that she's very sensitive, asking if she's scared. Mm. Jennifer tries to play it cool that she isn't scared, but Fruit uh, knows otherwise, claiming that she is burning up and that she has a fever. Jennifer doesn't think she does, but Fruit claims that she does, wanting to give her a pill to take, not wanting her to leave with a cold, telling her to imagine what Morris would say. I don't give a fuck. I'm not taking shit from you. What do I care? They're back downstairs of, of Fruit handing Jennifer two pills, instructing her to take both, but she could take one if she wants. This is the part that was in uh, Italian for Freddy on yeah. Tubi. Or whoever's seen it and watched it, you probably think I'm crazy or not crazy. Hopefully everyone who watched it on Tubi had the same experience, unless my Tubi is out of whack for whatever reason. But they started yelling at each other in a different language here. I'm like, is this part of the movie? I don't know. <laughs> And then they go back to English immediately after. I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch? It was like, all right, when you're angry, you'll speak in a different language. But when you're back to normal, speak in English again. It's called passion. It's called passion, yeah. But Jennifer doesn't want any pills, asking her if she could use the bathroom. Fruit um, angrily points and directs her to the bathroom, grabbing her before she walks off, demanding her to take the pills because she is is her responsibility. This is what they're all saying, by the way, Freddie. Jennifer frustratedly agrees to take the pills. Fruit is about to get her some water, but Jennifer tells her that she can get she can get it herself, moving her arm away from blocking the door frame. She asks if she if she could close the door, but Fruit con- continues to just stare at her. Jennifer slightly pushes her out of the way and that closes and so locks funny. the door. Fuck She's yeah. not even like really in the door frame. No, she literally shoves her out and then like closes the door. It's like it's her own house too. Like, bitch. like what if she's not the villain? You're just like, <laughs> it's so funny. Calling through a bitch as she checks on the cover um, that is covering the mirror, she looks down at a, at the pill, popping one out of the packaging and putting it in her mouth. Why? I'm surprised that she actually went yeah, through. Yeah, why did you it? do that? I was like, you literally have a sink that you just pretend you did it. Whatever. Yeah, like, fucking put, put it in it the, the sink. Throw it in the toilet. Everything. Do what do what you need. There's a trash can right there. There you go. She pours some, or put it in your pocket, whatever. She pours some water uh, from the faucet in the glass to take the pill, picking up the bar of soap, noticing that it's covered in maggots. They are all crawling on the wall. She immediately washes her hands and goes to dry them off. There are even more on the towel. Ugh. They were so gross looking. They do. She checks around the room, seeing more of them inside the tub, remembering what John said about larvae of the great sarcophagus living exclusively off of dead bodies. Jennifer gets a sharp pain in her stomach as she tries to gain her composure, whispering, Poison! (laughs) Poison! Poison! (laughs) Poison! I love that. Uh, Fru listens from the other side of the door as Jennifer forces herself to throw up. Also gross. Also thought this was real. Um, Fruit tries to open the door, asking her what she is doing. Jennifer ignores her as she demands for her to open the door. She takes multiple sips of water to force herself to throw up the pill. Fruit continues banging on the door to be let, let in as she catches her breath. Jennifer finally opens the door after she calms down. Fruit frantically asks her 
ask her why she didn't open the door, wanting to know what she was doing. She checks the pill. Um, she she checks to take the pill was taken, but thrown up as she as it sits inside the bowl of the sink. Jennifer tries to call for help on the phone, but Fru comes back hitting her in the back of the neck she falls to the ground as fruit grabs the phone and puts it somewhere else which was interesting she like even plugs it back in right uh, they hear rudolph like- pulling up to the up to the house she screams for help but fruit knocks her out oh that's right we do see rudolph again never mind uh because he he comes into the house my bad i forgot about that she pushes a button that locks the whole house down. Jesus Christ. It was like House on Haunted Hill style. Um, she then goes outside to speak with Rudolph. Her door has hella locks on it too. Yeah. Deadbolts. Like, and the way even it locks, it's like a, a fucking dial. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like a, a lock on a safe. A safe, yeah. That's yeah, true. that's crazy. Fru and Rudolph are are walking on the property. He re- like she fucking kill kills people. She kill kill kill, kill kills them. <laughs> like you are dead. Yes, D-E-D you, dead. You are not walking out of here alive. But walking out here dead alive. There you go. Zombies. Rest in R I P. Fru and Rudolph are walking on the property. He remembers that she was assaulted when she was uh, when she was working somewhere else, and that's why I think the asylum. Right, I think she worked there, and something happened there. But yeah, thinking that she didn't forget about the incident, um, she hasn't. Showing a large scar on her chest, where he then tries to go to touch it without consent. She covers yeah. herself up, commenting that he pulled her between bars. He understands, asking for forgiveness before letting her know that they need to uh, be precise, wanting confirmation about her moving moving there eight months ago. She agrees, offering him offering him to come in, inside the house. Before allowing her, he asks he asks where she where she was living before that. She answers that she was she was uh, just outside Zurich. Back with Jennifer, she wakes up, slightly startled from the, the maggots crawling on her hand. She is actually startled by the screams of Rudolph from far off, remembering that John said, um, what John said about perhaps the murderer likes to hide their victims. More maggots squirm from underneath the floorboard. Jennifer tries escaping out of the room, but they all but all the windows are sealed with the steel enclosure. She tries to exit out of the door, but it is locked. She notices that there is a grate on the top of the door. She stands on the chair, spotting the phone on the other side. She gets down to grab something and uh, that they will that will be able to reach the phone opening the grate she uses the long tool to grab the receiver off the hook after a few tries she is startled again by rudolph's screams he he it, it causes her to drop the phone on the floor she moves in further to try to try again she's able to pick up the phone but it slips and she drops it down a hole she drops it down a hole in the floorboard and the, the phone odds. scurries away down the hole, down yes. the tunnel, because it didn't just fall into the hole. It went down the fucking entire fucking, house. It's a slide. Yeah, I don't she, know. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, where is the phone? It's like, why is it all the way down there? Like, where is that? Why is this cable so long? She decides <laughs> to enter through the opening of, above the door, cut to Morris, and making it to the airport in Switzerland. 
Meanwhile, Jennifer is uh, is working to get the phone back. The phone, but Fru comes back comes back in, calling out to her. Jennifer slips into the, into the hole, crawling up for the phone. She finds the phone, putting it back on the receiver. It rings. It's startling her, but it's Morris. He frustratingly hangs up the phone before she could uh, say anything. She tries to call for help, but she's grabbed by Rudolph, um, who is chained and bloodied on the other side of the wall. <sighs> She screams as he takes her inside the room. She frantically tries getting away from him. He quickly tries introducing himself, but she falls inside of a waste full of dead bodies and maggots. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is disgusting. This is dead people soup. For real? Yep. Dead people soup indeed. Like the amount of maggots and filth. The close-up shots of everything too is just gnarly. The chunks, the uh, the water, everything. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. This was intense. She tries keeping herself afloat in the filth as she as he tries breaking his restraints on the wall like he's Sonic the Hedgehog. Moore's <laughs> quickly... <laughs> Gotta go fast. <laughs> Running around in the speed of sand. <laughs> na, na, na. <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> Morris quickly leaves the school to try and make it uh, make it over to Jennifer before it is too late. <laughs> Shout out to Sonic Avenger. Uh, that was for, my favorite one. Yeah, I think that was two that had yeah, that song. Dreamcast. Right? Oh. That you had the sun rays and you had to leave uh, footprints in the sand. Like that was like mind blowing. Like, Dreamcast oh my God. was definitely ahead of its fucking time. Yep. Definitely ahead of its time. I have Gamecast. <laughs> okay, Malibu's most wanted. I, like, I can't afford it. Fruit <laughs> <laughs> comes back into the room maniacally laughing at Jennifer, who is sobbing and clawing her way out of there. Rudolph calls her a fucking bitch and, and that he'll get her as she ignores him. She steps on Jennifer's hand, forcing her back into the pool of filth as she con- as she continues laughing at her struggle. Rudolph works on breaking his hand so he can get himself free. He grabs her by the neck and beats her with the chains. With a little more work, Jennifer makes it out of the death pool. She doesn't stick around for Rudolph either. Morris is coming through, the, through with the heater. Shouts out. <laughs> Useless. While Jennifer is running down the hall, stopping when she hears a child sobbing. She opens the door. The little boy is sobbing in a corner, telling her to go away and that she scares him. Should have listened. She tries to assure him that she's there to help slowly approaching him, letting him know that she, that he doesn't have to worry about the mirrors anymore. She takes the sheet down from the mirror, touching the boy on his back, letting him know that it's all over. When he turns around to look at her, his face is unnatural without eyelashes or eyebrows, no lips with exposed sharp teeth, and no nose. Maggots covering his face as well. Jennifer screams and oh fucking God. makes a run for it. He kind of looks like, um, fuck, what was his name? From the Goonies? No, not from the Goonies. He had a cartoon. Cartoon. And he, like, he, oh, fuck, dude, it's going to destroy me that I can't figure this out. But it was like a cartoon from the 1980s, I think. And he... I think he was based off of a real person, but like, I think he was based off of a comedian. Um, oh, fuck dude. 
I can't uh, I can't think of it to save my goddamn life. Now I'm I'm looking I'm tr- trying to see if I can find it. I think it's from the 80s. I found it. Life with Louie. I'll look it Fucking up. Fucking look it up. He looks just like Life with Louie. <laughs> Holy fucking shit! Like it, 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 Louis Anderson is the <laughs> name of the guy he's based off. What the fuck? Oh wow! Okay, okay. I knew I was gonna fucking find it. Wow, that's not wrong, right? It's the hair too. The it's hair is like fucking spot on. Oh my god! She makes it outside to a dock, immediately running to the boat, starting it up to flee the scene. But the boy comes running up to her with the spear. She and the way he's doing, he's like, ding, 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 ding. she pleads oh for him god, not so to. <laughs> just poking her. She hits the spear and, and it punctures the gas tank. As he as she is screaming, the sky fills with thousands of flies. He swings his arms um, trying to fight the flies from covering his body. They swarm him, which cause him to claw his eyes out before falling into the water. Jesus Christ, this was actually super vivid too. <laughs> Jennifer looks over overboard or Jennifer looks overboard to tr- trying to see trying to see the boy, but he sinks. She watches as as her insect friends all fly away. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. You're welcome. And she like seemingly loses her powers at this point because they definitely don't come back when she needs them again. She thinks to, she thinks to try to start the boat again, but it catches on fire. Jennifer jumps into the water before it explodes. She's surrounded by a ring of fire when she emerges, driving diving back down to swim underneath it, just um just to be snatched by the faceless boy. She screams. Her screams are muffled underneath the water. She emerges to. Uh, to the flames consuming the rest of his flesh she watches for a moment before swimming back to shore leaving the burning boat behind she walks out of the she walks out of the water back on the land looking for where to go next she sees a car coming in and it is morris pulling up to the scene how did you know where she was especially there yeah oh my god just like so out of the ordinary. He runs over to her just to lose his head by a beaten fruit. What the fuck? This was great. He, uh, <laughs> she screams as Fru places the metal sheet around her neck, maniacally explaining what, that her son was deceased, but still her son, <laughs> having to kill John and Rudolph to protect him. And now she will avenge him by killing her, taunting her to call her insects. But the homie Inga pulls up on the scene with the razor slice in her face, just like she was taught by uh, John earlier. Freddie posted on <laughs> right before the decapitation. Right before the decapitation scene, and I love it. And it it's is so great. It's a like, mannequin's face that is perfectly just chopped <laughs> off. It's great, and it's a hollow head. Like you could tell, it's just mache, but it's great. It was so good. This called me so off guard. I'm like, why did you even come? Why did you even come? <laughs> Because we needed that. This was, uh, it reminded me of The Shining. Yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dick Hollering. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. She drops the razor and crawls over to Jennifer to gnaw at her hand, allowing her to pet and hold her. Then credits. Wow. Wow. This movie fucking rolls, dude. Yes. This movie's so much fun. But I got some motherfucking movie facts. Movie facts. (gasps) 
Director Dario Argento often cites this film as his personal favorite among his work. I love that. Good for him. Good for him. It's probably one Despite of my poor Jennifer being fucking damn near eaten alive, but okay. Uh, the story. <laughs> At around, you want num num? <laughs> at, yes, around, at around 15 minutes, the story Jennifer tells about her mother abandoning her was an actual story from Dario Argento's own childhood. Wow. Whoa, that's fucked up. Uh, obviously, shot in English and dubbed in, into Italian. Yes, we know that. That's how he rolls. Um, the film was inspired by Dario Argento after he learned that insects are sometimes used during murder investigations. Yeah. That's cool. The imagery, aesthetic, and partial plot points of the film were used as inspiration in the 1995 survival horror video game Clock Tower, which, great game. Um, In the game, you play as a young woman named Jennifer Simpson, who is trapped in sprawling mansion estates with a psychotic, scissor-wielding, deformed boy. The character Jennifer is clearly modeled after um, actress Jennifer Connelly's appearance in the film. Um, And fun fact or other fun fact, we were talking about this in our Discord. We were talking about Clock Tower and our lovable Michigan. Michiganian? Michiganer? You lost me. Joe Mertens is who I'm talking about. Um, Love Joe. Definitely love Joe. But Joe brought up um, Phenomena and the comparisons between the two. So fucking fantastic. That man is just a wealth of knowledge. Yes, he, he is. He truly is just just a fucking American. Murders with Mertens. Yes. Check it out. Definitely check out Murders with Mertens because Murders with Mertens is is a damn good show on YouTube. Yes, it is. So I would highly suggest checking that out. I think he's on podcast services now too. So yes. definitely check that out. Um both Freddie and I are also in it as well. So it's yep. it's not just a shameless plug for ourselves, but it truly genuinely is <laughs> a good a, yeah. and passionate show that it's just a lot of fun. He's just so good at doing the whole layout and everything. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. Oh yeah. No, like like legit, like he's a fan. And yeah. like a damn good fan at that. So shout out to you, Joe. We love you, Joe. We should we need to get you on the show. We've been talking about this forever, yeah, but we 100%. need to, we really need to do it. Um but another one that we did find here as well. I don't know why I said but so loud. Sorry about that, everybody. But uh, a sequel was going to be in production in 2001. I knew it. But it was canceled due to Dara Argento's contract with Medusa. Medusa. Hmm. Uh, that's the name of the. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, the larvae were created by placing verm- vermiculite in water and adding liquid chocolate in essence of mint. Oh, that's pleasant, at least. At one point in the film, Inga the chimpanzee finds and carries a barber's straight razor that could be possible homage to Edgar Allan, po- Edgar Allan Poe's The Murders in the Rue Morgue, a horror novella in which an ape commits murders with a straight razor. Fuck yeah. Mm. So cool. Man, this movie's fucking weird, and I love it. We talked about it for two hours straight. So there you go. <laughs> we definitely want to keep that conversation going so you can let us know what you think about Phenomena, either inside of our Discord, which you can find inside of our notes of this episode, or you can let us know over on Twitter at Nightlight underscore pod. By all means, let's talk about it, and let's just definitely see what the fuck we can keep deciphering with this film because it's so much fun to chat about. But the next film that we will be ta- chatting about is Cry underscore Wolf. Yes. I am very excited to rewatch this movie. I haven't seen I'm this movie in years. Oh, man. I think, you, I think you're going to get a fun kick out of it. Just go with the nostalgia aspect. 
you know. Okay. Yeah. This 2000s, it's it's silly. But yeah. Anyway, this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside me, we had Freddy. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever. Also known as Nighty Night. With your help, we can reach more ghoulish nights with your recommendation to someone who would actually enjoy the show. If your podcast apps allows you to rate our show, consider giving us a five-star rating as it honestly does help us out a ton to be spread out to more ghoulish nights. For extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. The site with what? K. And remember, everybody, don't forget 